0: Hello, sports historians. welcome to another episode of Uninterrupted, this time with John Wooden's grandson-in-law, Craig Impleman. That's right, Imp, Uninterrupted. He's a walking book of history when it comes to collegiate basketball. He knows just about everybody in the game, and he'll tell you everything you wanna know about the legendary UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. So here you go, from October 23, 2019, 130 minutes straight of imp uninterrupted. Welcome. Great to be here. It's awesome that you came. I'm, I'm stoked, and I can't believe these archives that you brought here. The challenge is going to be getting me to leave. So. Oh, that's okay. We got, we got. Hopefully, we got plenty of battery. Um, you know, I met my daughter. She's on, she's on the camera. So if it runs out, we'll know. And you know, the Stanford kid, he'll do okay with the audio. Stanford genius. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me, I, you said you might bring some archives. And I, I don't want to go without acknowledging these first. And, uh, then i got a couple questions for you. But this one right here. Oh, this is
1: a funny story. Okay, so I, I married John Wooden's granddaughter. We've been married for 35 years. And uh, as a result of that, we got carted along to a lot of different events and so in Las Vegas, I forget the year, but uh I should know nineteen oh, no, no, ninety nine. Uh, they had the Victor Awards in Vegas for sports, which is kind of like a Oscars for yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a a basketball coach of the century, which was awarded to John Wooden. So my wife Christy, and I were with uh, Papa Coach, I refer to him as Papa, with Papa, and we're sitting there, and it was a great. Event, I mean, all these famous people were there and they're getting sure. introduced and they're getting their awards. And so then a big moment comes and they, uh, they have Coach comes up and he gets this award right here. And, uh, of course, standing ovation, John Wooden as always. And so I'm sitting here and my wife Christy is sitting here and Papa's sitting here. So he walks back down and he sits down next to Christy and he's holding this, and he kind of waits until things have calmed down, and he reaches over and he goes, "Honey, you take this and keep it, and take it home. I think you'll enjoy it." <laughs> and like, so, hey, yeah, it's just coach of the century. You this, have this one. This was it. <laughs> and so that's how we ended up. Uh, that's how we ended up with this. So huh. if you were, oh, if we man. were talking about John Wooden, yep uh He had zero interest in trophies and toys and accolades and d- just because he just wasn 't what he was yeah. interested in now he often said that the one thing he liked uh, really was the proudest of was the medal he got for being a, a all american student mm-hmm. at at purdue that 's been that 's been widely said over and over again. The other thing about John Wooden, we talk about being unique, and I just related this last night to uh my sixth-grade basketball team, uh, I never heard him say anything good about himself. Mm. I mean, if you can imagine all these conversations we've had over the years. and sure. Spoke at my basketball camps for 30 years, and you would think somewhere along the line he would tell a story about a game that he did a good job in or a strategy that right. he used, or but never, ever. Yeah. He just didn't. Do not, that. Not, I mean, I'm and I'm looking for it. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to now,
0: because <laughs> you would have liked to. You would z- z- give well, a little zinger. I just wanted to hear
1: say something, <laughs> right? And there was only one exception uh, for all you basketball coaches out there. There was only one exception, uh, and the reason it came up is because I introduced this drill last night to my sixth grade basketball team. Okay, it was a conditioning drill called the three on two conditioner, mm-hmm. and it was a fast break drill that Coach invented that he ran every practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, because he believed in conditioning while teaching fundamentals, not just conditioning to be running. And uh, he was talking about the 3-on-2 conditioner, and he said, that's that's the best basketball drill I ever invented. Yeah. That's the only thing he ever said good about himself. So that's why I'm always trying to be insistent with the coaches that I talk to. You got to run the 3 on 2 conditioner. Uh, of
0: course. Um I mean, you know what makes this this interview great is like, I mean, we just haven't even got started and it's um I've coached, you know, a number of teams and I've coached directly from what John Wooden put in his modern practical basketball and um including that 3 on 2 drill and it just it hit me that like it's that's, that's that's it. Like I'm not the only one. There's thousands of us coaches that coach exactly from the Wooden book and it's so fun to hear like these authentic stories about Coach Wood. Well, and, and here's you know. a,
1: here's an interesting thing, uh, and I have to say that I fell miserably short in this regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was uh, on the staff at UCLA with all the coaches that came right after John Wood. Yep. So I was a graduate assistant with uh, Gene Barto, his second year, and then I was there with Gary Cunningham, and then I went over to uh Pepperdine and then I came back to east for three more years with uh with larry farmer and uh you know we <laughs> we had a system that coach had used, so it was kind of hard to convince us to
0: it, it, deviate it seemed like it had a little success from
1: from that from that system <laughs> but I was reading a uh, Pat Williams wrote a book about the uh John Wooden basketball camps. And one of the coaches at the camp said every year we would try to go act, be like John Wooden and run all his stuff. And every year he told us to quit doing it and to just, if there's something we like, great, but go do your thing.
0: Be your your own Yeah, you
1: your own. And I think a coach that really uh, did a pretty great job on that. There's many mm-hmm. to say the least, but, uh, you know, Denny Crum at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, had Ben John Wooden's assistant and went straight to Louisville and he incorporated a lot of the same principles but he really made them his own Mm -hmm. and which if you go back to Coach Wooden's seven point creed from his dad the number one thing is uh, be true to yourself yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah so if I was going to wind the clock back I would probably try to be a little bit more innovative within the Wooden Framework as a foundation.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna wind it back on you. I want to get these other archives though recognized. This, that's Craig, a great one. Is 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 driving me crazy? How cool it is. So this is the 1968 championship game ball. So this would have been the third title with Lou Cinder. Correct. And the fifth overall. Correct. And um, signed by everybody on that team. A 78-55 route of the, the Tar Heels in the finals. And, and
1: what was it? Now, there's a great innovation story here. What was the score of that semifinal game against Houston? It's on there. It is you on there. You can here. see it, didn't
0: Um, it? It's in it dark. It is. It was a lot to a little. NCAAs, here it is. Houston, 101-69. Like so
1: 101-69. So, speaking of innovation, interesting. uh most people, sports fans, are familiar with that was the year that Houston beat UCLA by two points.
0: In, in a regular season game. In a regular season game at the Astrodome. Wh- wh- which was trans- 70- transformative in the history the transformative of event a a collegiate basketball athletics. On and national TV. Because they had um, that, that hookup that they would also use for for the big like heavyweight championship fights it was yeah. like satellite or something along yeah. these lines. Yeah. And you could go to your you could go to a, a movie theater and you might see that game. Right. But you might also get it via some of the television broadcasting groups like out here in Los Angeles it probably would have been like KTLA or something that could access that signal something along these lines. Well, the story the, story, the interesting story about innovating. Yeah. Very unusual
1: uh you know, Coach Wooden was very famous for not spending time on the other team, on being very consistent. You were going to get what you got. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a full court two-two-one zone press.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to see the uh, low post, high post offense, whatever, whichever, depending on the team. And you're going to see man-to-man defense. And you're going to see that. You're going to see it 99 out of 100 times. And uh, so they had played Houston and lost by two. And you know, some people bemoan the fact that Kareem had a. Uh, Scratch cornea. But anyway, mm. Coach being coach, being innovative, in that game, he went completely away from his normal game plan, it, and it, he it, ran a it, it, diamond. In the semifinal game? Or in, the, in the semifinal in game. In the semifinal game, uh-huh. He lost playing his regular man-to-man defense, uh-huh. and in a surprise move, the one time oh, he really? went off the rails, <laughs> Coach Wooden came out in a diamond – in one oh, wow. defense. So he had four players in a diamond shaped sure. zone with Kareem underneath the underneath. basket. And then I'm gonna get the player wrong. I want to say Shackleford mm-hmm. I may be wrong, chased Elvin Hayes all over
0: denying the, court. the entry pass.
1: And and Hayes had a horrible uh that he just chased him, that it. Is so something else. Out of nowhere, John Wooden junks the man-to-man, goes, goes diamond wow, and one Wow, you don't hear that often. No. Wow. Now, the other great innovation story uh, from a from a coaching perspective was the Jacksonville game.
0: That so, was against uh, Artis Gilmore. Gilmore. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: UCLA's tallest player was a fellow who was – now, if you're running a business and you're going, oh, come on, Lennon, why am I watching this? Yeah. Okay, the message is listen to your team members – they know better than you what's going on. So quit giving them memos and find out what's happening and let them tell you. Okay. Toyota's been doing it for a long time and it works pretty well. Yeah. So back to Coach Wooden and listening to your team members. So they're
0: playing. And and, and then for those who don't know, Artist Gilmore was what, seven, seven four? foot two, Seven foot two. I mean, he's a
1: big guy. Artist Gilmore, seven foot two. Sidney Wicks is 6.9. hmm. Jacksonville,
0: very dominant team. And, All right, and I'm sorry, Craig, but this was in between Walton and, and Alcender, yes. right? Yes. It, I mean, in between Alcender and Walton, rather. Yep. It was in-between year Coach
1: calls it. I, Coach called him the team without. That's right. And he really enjoyed them because they said that after Kareem graduated mm-hmm. – Here it comes. Many thought, well, he'll get his comeuppance now. Uh-huh. And that didn't quite work out since they won two more championships <laughs> in a row. That's right. But anyway, so they're playing the game. And uh, Artis Gilmore starts at the game on fire. Uh-huh. He scores a bucket, he scores a bucket, he scores a bucket. And uh, so there's a timeout. Now, in basketball, when you're playing against a big guy, conventional wisdom says that you get around to the side and you don't let him get the ball. Right. You make him move out and then you jump behind so he gets the ball further away from the basket. Sidney Wick says to Coach Wooden at the timeout, Coach, let me play behind him.
0: All oh, right.
1: Let me let him get the ball. Which yeah. if you're about you'd be like if you're a normal coach, you'd be going well, I don't think so. Okay. But coach being coach said, Okay, Sydney, that's fine. Give it a shot. So Sydney went back out. Now there's another business lesson here and that is don't make your decision based on the result, the immediate short term result. Make your decision on how it looks. Hmm. So they came out of the timeout, and Gilmore got the ball, and Sidney Wicks proceeded, and it's two or three, I don't know what the number is, but it was at least two, to goaltend Gilmore's next two Mm -hmm. shots, Mm -hmm. maybe three. So Jacksonville actually scored with this new strategy. But what did Coach Wooden like? He liked the aggressive. He liked the way it looked. Mm. He liked the way it looked. Interesting. So he stuck with it. Gilmore went 7 for 19. Uh-huh. The worst game of his career. And UCLA went on to win another national championship. Another great Wooden story, since we're doing John Wooden. Sure. Along the same lines, a fantastic story. Uh, Coach Wooden is very famous for the 2-2-1 zone press.
0: Right. Full court press. And
1: full court press. And everybody always rattles around that, hey, you know, we got the press going, and that's what started the string with the championships with Hazard and Goodrich and, and whatnot. But the story that's left out is the year before UCLA won their first national championship, Coach Wooden actually had the worst record of any of, any of the other coaches in the tournament in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I've, I've detailed it, but he had not had success in the NCAA tournament. But in 1962.
0: Yeah, that's right. He
1: had gone he lost to Cincinnati in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And he went, wow, maybe we can do this. And so he kind of retooled everything. And one of the things that he retooled was he added the full court press. So it- now in 63, before he wins it, oh, right. he's okay. got the press. And he's using the press. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a success if you're going to stick with it, right? Sure. Book of the Month Club, all these businesses try new techniques. If it doesn't <laughs> work in two months, we got to try something we're, new. We're out. Well, that's not John Wooden. So UCLA plays Arizona State
0: in, in the a tournament.
1: Second round. 64. Year before the championship. 63. And get blown out using the press. I mean, they got beat, I think they were down 30 in the first half. They got beat 20. Mm. Arizona State couldn't miss a shot. But guess what? Coach Wooden liked the the way he liked the way it looked Mm -hmm. because he said that Arizona State would have beaten anybody that day because they were shooting the ball so well. But he liked the way that the press got the tempo sped up Mm-hmm. Which was to his liking, so in spite of getting blown out in the NCAA a tournament, using his press, he thought it was a good idea.
0: Wow, you know, and he
1: came back the next year with it. And what do they say? There's ten of these balls.
0: Yeah, there's ten. Well, he's got ten championships. Ten, 10 and twelve. There's ten balls. So the rest is history. Uh, that rest is history. He that 62 was that Oscar Robinson? No, no. Uh, Cincinnati Robertson never got. Rather?
1: Cincinnati never got to the semis. With Uh, with Oscar. They actually, and there's a great story. Oh, man, there's some, this this is life application, okay? Okay. So, Wooden's playing, Coach Wooden is playing against Cincinnati in the semifinals. Now, I'm not talking out of school Mm -hmm. because Coach Wooden has written about this himself. So,
0: okay. Fair enough. Don't want
1: to get anybody upset. One of his books, he's written about it multiple times. Coach Wooden did not think in his mind. At the time, they were playing in the men's gym, was where they practiced, the little gym on the campus. Mm-hmm. They did not have a home court. That's right. At UCLA. They had to go around the Olympic Auditorium. And Shrine Auditorium. They had to go different Bene- places to play Venice High School. Right. And they also had very restrictive admission Stanford, uh, standards, like Stanford
0: <laughs> does <laughs> yeah. now.
1: So there were certain players that wanted to come to UCLA that were good students that he couldn't get in the school. And he thought, in his own mind, with those two things going on, he didn't see how he could ever win a national championship. Mm -hmm. And he didn't talk about it publicly, but he was a bit, according to him, bemoaning to himself privately about it. Well, to his surprise, they end up in the Final Four. Right. In 62 against Cincinnati.
0: Uh, And he had taken the job in like 48. So this is uh, 14 years later.
1: long time later. So the starters were Walt Hazard, Johnny Green, Mm -hmm. uh, Pete Blackman later, I believe, the vice chancellor at UCLA. Gary Cunningham later the coach. Mm -hmm. Fred Slaughter later the dean of the law school at UCLA. Pretty smart group of guys. And so they're playing Cincinnati, and it gets down to a minute and change to go. There's no shot clock, and UCLA has the ball. And they're holding for the last shot. Mm -hmm. They're in good shape. Hazard has the ball right in front of the UCLA bench. And the guy guarding Hazard's about four or five feet off of him because he doesn't want to get beat. Right. And Hazard gives a fake, and the guy gets so shook up, he stumbles and he falls down, even though he's this far away. The referee in the opposite corner called an offensive foul.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Cincinnati got the ball, Ran the clock. made a half-court shot oh my goodness. at the buzzard
0: to win the I game. Didn't, I, I, don't, I didn't remember all and that. And Coach
1: Wooden never complained about the call. Mm-mm. And his, the official came to him after the game and apologized. Coach said, no need. You were doing what the best you could. <laughs> and then, you know, famously he got in the locker room and he told the players, we got each other and you guys did a great job. Jeez. And that was it. But then on that plane ride back home after that game, that's when he said to himself, you know what? Maybe we can get this done, even with playing in the men's gym. I see. So then he went through everything that he did. I mean, Denny, everything that he did. This guy's attention to detail and planning is is, unparalleled. it, it, It is unparalleled, yes. And so he made a lot of changes. Uh, the most substantive, I guess, off the top of my head, would be that he stopped adding new content for the tournament. Uh-huh. Obviously, this became an exception, but he didn't add oh, any new plays. Oh yeah. Uh, he started winding down the length of practice as a season
0: towards the end got the
1: k- 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 towards the end down to an hour and fifteen, hour and thirty minutes. As opposed to two and a half hours, uh, and I'm not sure if that's when he decided to play seven instead of play ten, but I, and I might be wrong about that. But so he made all these little subtle changes, and then he made all these great changes, and got blown out by Arizona State. But he liked the way it looked, the look,
0: and he said, "I might have something." Here.
1: I li- I might have something here, and he stuck with it. And that's the birth of the system. This is, this is you know, awesome. and this I mean, is this awesome. is such a great lesson today with technology, media, Instagram, which is fantastic, Twitter, fantastic, Facebook, fantastic. Just don't get caught up. Use it as a resource. Mm-hmm. How would John Wooden use it? He would be looking at Instagram. He would say, oh, "That's a pretty good idea. Let me think about that." Yeah. So, and then he would try it. So he had a scientific method for improving that he employed every season,
0: okay. until the final year, including the final year that he coached. And and, and didn't he follow the same prescription almost every, pre-season? every season? He, the well, only time he would look ahead in the schedule was before the season started, and he would he would write his prediction on how they would do, and he'd put it away. He put the paper in a drawer. And, and will anybody and then see he would, it.
1: But what I, the the, yeah. thing, the ritual that he had that was so empowering was after every season. Imagine after every season, he would sit down and he would pick a topic. So you're John Wooden. You've been coach. You got nine <laughs> national championships. It's 1974. Uh huh. He's doing the same thing. He picks out a topic that he wants to study. Wow. And improve on. So he starts out getting every publication he can get his hands on let's say it's free-throw shooting, to read about it. Then he looks up and he finds high school, college pros, the best free-throw shooting teams in the country. He phones those coaches and he says, hey, I want to improve my team's free-throw shooting. You're at Penoble Junior College and John (laughs) Wood's on the phone for you. Would you mind if I sent you a questionnaire? That is crazy. So then he would send out a questionnaire to these coaches. I forget the number. Let's say it's 15. And he would get the questionnaire back. Now, this is before Excel. Sure. Computers. He gets all the data back. He's a data guy. He's an engineer. And he takes all the data and he puts it, in his own words, in a spreadsheet. Before there was spreadsheets. Uh And he eliminates the outliers. Well... This guy shot 90%, but they practice free throws two hours every practice. So that's mm-hmm. not – and then based on all that, he looks at the data and then he makes changes to tweak how he's going to and... practice free throws. So if we we're going to stay, stick on the topic of free throws. Sure. For example, what what exactly did he change? Well, if you were a player at UCLA mm-hmm. – by the time the season started, we would scrimmage control scrimmage every day. Uh, excuse me. On f- Thursdays, maybe half an hour about every day. Don't hold my feet to the fire. But so you'd have seven guys that were on the in the first group. Right. You have seven guys in the second group. Okay. So let's pretend, Denny, that you're a guard. Mm-hmm. So there's three guards. Two are in, one's out. Okay. Sure. So coach would say, "Okay, Denny,
0: while you're you out- go
1: make." You go make five free throws or ten, whatever he thought your capacity was. Mm -hmm. And if it was a good capacity, he might say ten in a row, depending on who you were, right? Denny, you go make ten free throws in a row, and when you're done, you go get Bibby out of the scrimmage. Now, here's the key points. Okay, first of all, he did it while their cardio was up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't too long. Mm -hmm. And here's the best point. For you micromanagers out there. And I'm sorry for being sarcastic. Coach Wood would never be sarcastic. So I take it all back. It's
0: okay. It's I take all right. it all back. Yeah. I'm sorry, Coach. <laughs> he it, did it, it's okay. He did not say,
1: Denny, come and see me when you make ten free throws. Go and get him. Just go get him. hmm So the process never stopped. And it empowered. And he'd go get Henry. Henry Bibby'd go out. He'd go make his free throws. He'd make his free throws. He'd go in. He'd get Valley. Well, Coach was not involved in all this hocus God, pocus, right? I, I love it. The players are doing yeah. it. So think about the tempo. I got my Stanford sure. guy here. Think about the <laughs> tempo of practice, right, in the rhythm, in the beauty, and it's boom, 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 and it's,
0: it's just it. wow. Ah, oh, boy. Right? It was, it was, it so, was gold, you know, gold, it's,
1: it's, this guy. I've it, you know, studied coaches, and so if he, I don't know how what Bill Belichick does in practice, but if you were going to say what a Belichick and Wooden have in common, I could tell you one of the things is they say that Belichick walks into a meeting and says, here's six things we need to do to win the game this week. Okay. That's all he does. He gives six things.
0: Now, and there was a focus. he arrived
1: at those six things after going through.
0: Mountain of data.
1: A thousand things. Mm-hmm. I just exaggerated. Sorry, Coach. Hundreds of things. <laughs> right. And Coach Wooden. Had all these details and all this data, but Denny, if you were he, a player, he would just present it to you simply
0: like, like this. What you were going to get repetition on, and and from that, as an athlete on a team, comes the confidence because you can master what what the coach has given you, and when you master that and you repeat it over and over again, you get that confidence that allows you to do it in competition.
1: We don't, so it's a good time to talk about this.
0: Well let's move on to the next archive from the great Piggy so, Lambert. So I told Denny
1: I never I'm not allowed to take this book out of the house. <laughs> I'm also not allowed to take this basketball out of the house.
0: But this so, is a special occasion, Craig.
1: I love Denny. Yes. I have only known this guy for a month and I'm signing my text. Love him. <laughs> That's I right. Do love yeah, you did. Him. How could yeah. you not love Denny Lennon?
0: Come on. Ah, oh, this is good. I feel, his, I feel like coaches telling me this. He's got that this.
1: enthusiasm block. Man, it's like blown up with a huge, <laughs> Double caps. So, okay. So we're we're talking about confidence. Yes, that's our topic right now. Competency. John Wood. Confidence. Developing confidence. confidence. Yes, that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I'll take the long route since I'm big time ADD. Okay. Coach wrote Coach Wood wrote a book called Practical Modern Basketball. He wrote fourteen books. Twelve after he turned ninety check that out go from there and, and this, this is, is the only book that he wrote he wrote this early on after he won the championship i believe but it's the only book that he wrote by himself so if you are out there and you're running a business and you want to know how to run a business you want to know how to get started buy this book the first two chapters is a roadmap for how to run a business the appendix has the handouts that you need enough said this book was a result of Coach Wooden's coach Piggy Lambert, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, back in '34, wrote a book. Here's the one I'm not allowed to take out of the house, <laughs> called "Practical Basketball." Mm-hmm. And this is actually—it's—it's
0: it's unbelievable. Let me this show this is to the camera. Piggy
1: Lambert's copy. I got to be careful here. Go ahead. Be careful with that, Coach. I will. That he gives to John Wooden.
0: And Denny, it, what does it, it says say on to, there? to Johnny. I love it. Uh, My appreciation of all you have done for me. Sincerely, Ward. Ward. So let's talk about this book
1: and let's talk about confidence. And then we're going to get to the confidence and we're going to get to the definition of success and how it all fits together. So how did Coach Wooden get to be so smart? He wasn't watching the Kardashians do Vegas at night. Okay. He was reading. Yes, he was. He was reading.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And he was annotating. I have a, a one thing I didn't bring, which I could never take out of the house, uh, uh, idols of the Kings, his copy of that, which is written and underlined and would be great for teaching. But anyway, here's the book that Lambert wrote coach Lambert wrote. And you can see, if you look at the camera that it's, Annotated.
0: Yep. His and I'm going to have Denny
1: read right here two of the greatest – go ahead, Denny.
0: Uh, two of the greatest fundamental assets to the athlete in all branches of sport are being relaxed and having what is called balance.
1: Stop right there. Okay. So, mm-hmm. confidence. Confidence. Okay. Piggy was huge on the players being relaxed – and he knew if one of his players was worried about something off the court, on the court, he wanted to remove all worry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Much is made about John Wood never talking about winning. Did he like to win? He loved to win. <laughs> he loved to win. Would he try to win every game he played against you? Of course. Yes, he would. He just thought talking about it would not make his players more what? More... Relaxed. Relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend of mine, Paul Hoover, did a great study on uh, shooting. And he had a real system for shooting except for free throws. Mm-hmm. And he said, I said, well, Paul, tell me about free throws. And I thought he was going to give me an exact system. He goes, there's too many systems. The only thing I can tell you about free throws is that great free, bad free throw shooters, when they're at the line, their shoulders are tense. Mm-hmm. And good free throw shooters, their shoulders are loose. So we're back to
0: being uh, relaxed, being relaxed. You know what I what I find interesting about this, Craig, is um, relax and balance, right? And coach, well, what you are the, can't what are the be.
1: Things- re- I interrupt you because I'm not John Wooden. In case you didn't notice, I, no. so you can't be <laughs> balanced if you're, if you're not if you're not relaxed. Relax. So the coaches, if we're doing a jump stop and we stop, we're practicing being off what? Off, balance. off balance. Yeah. We gotta stay loose, baby. But you did, stop, <laughs> loose. The joints are always loose. Yeah. You gotta loosen up, man. You gotta stay loose.
0: My favorite guest I ever. I tell you guys when they apply for a job, I, I take them. And I go, come on, baby. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, you one of these stay, trophies you before you leave loose. today as best guest so ever. So now, if we go all the way here to, so, so wait, hold on, Craig. I gotta tell you something. Yep. I just, I just found it interesting. Coach learned so much from those who were um, in, in. That, that were he looked up to, like his father, his parents, and like Coach Lambert. Coach always said the two most important words in the English language are love and balance. Absolutely. And, and, and look at what Piggy's writing about here, which is the, to be successful, to be confident, is being relaxed and balanced. Yep. And I really find it interesting how Coach clued in on that idea of balance and then, and then married it to the idea of love. I mean, somehow we're all still – Talking about coaches' teachings, he's not just another coach. He I coach this master grade. teacher. If you, if you talk he's to this any team teacher. I ever coached,
1: if you go, you go get my, you go get my third grade basketball team right now, mm-hmm. and you get my sixth grade basketball team. You line them up and ask them what the most important words in the dictionary are, and they might not know any drills. They might get beat by fifty. <laughs> They're going to tell you love and balance. Mm-hmm. This has got all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So. If if we go to the now we're on the definition of competitive greatness, and we see be at your best when your best is mm-hmm. needed, enjoyment of a difficult challenge, mm-hmm. and we got confidence, which is a result of all these other oh. things. It's about being on balance. In order to be on balance, you have to be in a relaxed, mm-hmm. in a relaxed state. I know. And I mean, I I just anyway,
0: I got to ask you some questions. Not anyway. Where then? did you grow up? San Francisco. Is that right? So you came under the uh, spell of Pete Newell growing up, of the, no. the great coach. Who'd you come? Who was, no, I'm a, Who'd I, you look I'm a up total,
1: to? I'm, a, I'm the. I'm like the all-time <laughs> sweat hog story <laughs> of undeserving guys. Okay. My my story and how I ended up marrying John Woods' granddaughter.
0: What's it, uh, it, uh, it's uh, kind uh, of, it's almost
1: it's almost worth telling. what,
0: what, what did your what, 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 you were born so, you were born like, in here's San the Francisco. Deal.
1: So. I grew up in San Francisco and I grew yep. up playing basketball at Saint Mary's Park and I went which was all me and the is brothers that, is that and Galita? I talked a ton of smack and I went between my legs as much as possible <laughs> and it was about you and your relatives and that's how I played. Okay? And if I could throw a behind the back pass, that's what I was gonna do. Okay. Whenever
0: available. Sure. Now who was your influences? Who did you look up to? St.
1: Mary's Park, Billy Reed, man. I Billy to, Reed, I to, love on. it. Who else? St. Mary's Park. What about Bill Russell? I didn't have
0: anybody. No, St. No? Mary's Park. That was your thing.
1: St. Mary's Park, man. Okay. Three on three, we don't clear it, right? Oh. I had to give up a quarter to get in the gym. <laughs> the Guys be waiting outside. Come here, give me a quarter because it cost a quarter, twelve cents for a soda. Two guys waiting to hold me up every night. Okay. So I bought a quarter. Here's your quarter, and I go in the gym. That was it. So. So that anyway, was so okay. So now I go to your famous. Northern California version of San Francisco, uh, St. Ignatius High School. Sure. Jesuits. And I'm a total misfit. Mm. So I go out for the freshman basketball team, actually kind of the JV team, and I make it. But I'm smack talking, bad attitude, pretty skilled, and... The older guys in the team were beating me up in the locker room after practice. In case you guys think bullying just started, because <laughs> I was starting, so I stopped going to practice. Uh. So my high school coach assumed that I had a bad attitude and that I didn't like basketball. So he cut me, but I never told my parents I got cut. Mm. So I just kept going to St. Mary's. Park. So you're Park. going to St. Mary's Park, that, right? Mm-hmm. So now basketball's fast, in your blood. Fast you're gonna forward, play. Right. So now I'm growing up in the city, and I'm only watching one team on TV, baby. And it's uh, UCLA. Okay. John Wooden. Who else are you going to watch?
0: Well, they, they're, they're winning it, kidding. man. T- it's 1970, right? Thursdays and Saturdays. So
1: I only apply to one college, UCLA. What year? Uh, 1970. And I only applied for one reason. Well, you... I wanted to watch... UCLA basketball games in person. Wait, so there was no other reason. So, there was so, 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 no so you other d- you, you reason. You didn't play a- in
0: high school. You didn't get to play on the team. Past I never got cut. Year? I got cut my sophomore
1: junior Your senior sophomore, year. sophomore junior year. So you Sweat never hog. got a chance to cut. play after that. Oh, never man. Never, well, don't go so fast. So I go now. I go down to UCLA Sweathog Deluxe, right? <laughs> and uh, so you get in. Hen- on- I get in the gym at night. Henry Bibby beats Henry me every Bibby. night one on one, twenty six to zero. How did you meet him? He was down playing at night every night because that's what those guys did. Sure. The, the, when the other guys were out doing stuff, he was in the gym like okay. all the guys, right? Uh-huh. So I, I was a good rebounder for him. He could beat me twenty-six to two, twenty-six zero. We played ten games of one-on-one every night. Okay. Bibby tells me to try it for the freshman team. Yeah. So it's the Walton class. They got that. And and
0: in those days, you had a freshman team that you, you, you're team. mandated to play on as a freshman.
1: Right. Freshman class is the Walton class. Six scholarship guys. One preferred to walk on. their seven. Unbelievable, story. So 65 wait, 70 guys...
0: is, is Walton's freshman year, too? Yeah. Walton's oh, camp. son of a gun. 65 okay.
1: guys try out. Uh huh. All CIF, all everything. Sure. But, of course, they're not relaxed because <laughs> they got all the pressure from home.
0: They're all wor-
1: I don't care. My parents don't even know I'm playing basketball. I don't care. I'm just letting it loose. So anyway, I ended up making it down to the final cut. Okay, there was four of us out of the sixty-five that stuck. A week before the season started, Coach Wooden uh, redshirted Marv Vitato and Tommy Curtis. So at that point, I got cut, maybe because I got in a fight with Walton in the practice. I'm not sure, <laughs> but the head coach Gary Cunningham, wasn't that wild about it. But <laughs> I had I, I love did this. I did live in the dorms. Okay, with one of uh. Uh, A a fellow guy in the other dorm, a guy named Larry Farmer, who's my best friend, was playing on the team at UCLA. Sure.
0: Oh, that explains
1: that. my roommate had a snake, a garden snake. Pussy Galora was a snake. And I used to bring the snake down to the lobby and hold it up to people at night. So here comes Larry Farmer into the lobby, and I hold the (laughs) snake up at Larry Farmer. And, of course, who is this crazy guy? (laughs) Larry Farmer and I become best friends.
0: Okay. Okay, I understood. After my junior year, so wait, I, no, 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 no. You you, you go too fast. You, so your freshman year, do you start hanging around the basketball team? You go. I into play games? every day. We play at but night. You, man. are you going to games and you're just enjoying? Because this and is I'm the playing year. And I play at night
1: every night. Isn't Farmer. this
0: Wicks in row?
1: Uh, no, uh, but I'm playing against Farmer at night every night outside of Reber Hall because he goes to practice and he goes outside and plays at night. Okay. Any of you guys that think you need Nikes and sneakers and a place to play? Farmer's 89 and one best record in the history of college basketball. But anyway. Moving quickly forward,
0: oh,
1: wow. I'm working 55 hours a week, going to school. What are you working as? Oh god, uh, everything. Three, yeah, uh, liquor delivery, uh, janitor at the dorm, Olympus Burgers, which you know, uh, fry cook. <laughs> and I, my brother gets me a tryout <laughs> with St. Mary San Antonio, NAIA, Texas. They give me a scholarship after cause your I could, year. I could ball a little bit. I transfer and I graduate from there. Okay. Fast forward. Gene Bartos. I do- uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: How'd you do there? I was horrible. It was the worst mistake they ever made to give me a scholarship, but I got a
0: scholarship, you- and I was a great practice
1: player, okay. and I made the team better.
0: Okay. But, Good, yeah, and I got a uniform, sure, and I got to be on a team, no doubt. And and coach, coach will tell you better than anybody the importance of every member on that team. Yeah. Not everybody's the engine. And I didn't get,
1: I, I didn't get taken on the traveling team to the national championships. So I hitchhiked to Kansas City.
0: They made and national I slept, championships. I
1: slept in a van in the in the uh, garage, and I sold tickets at Kemper Arena. I mean, excuse me, I I sold programs at Kemper Arena so I could watch and cheer for my team every day at the NA-
0: NAI National Tournament. AI.
1: But I had a hitchhike to get to Kepper. First day I get a ride from a guy, he says, what's your story? I tell him, it's Lenny Dawson.
0: Lenny Dawson, the great so Kansas City So he goes, I'll City pick you up every day. But anyway. So, yeah, well, you skip by this part where I think your enthusiasm well, anyway, and your so, uniqueness but anyway, makes these people so going on go, to going you. Going
1: forward, so G Bartos' second year,
0: they have no player – Gene Barto follows Coach Wooden. Followed John Wooden. At, this, at, not, at an UCLA, easy, not an easy act to follow. His second That's year. That's like coming on after Sammy his Davis His second Jr. year,
1: they did not have a former player that wanted to be the part-time assistant coach.
0: Okay. Nobody wanted it. So this is it like $75 It
1: paid $135 a month. Woo. Okay? Woo. I am making twenty-five grand a year in Fresno, no question. I drive down my Volkswagen. I quit my job. Barto hires me, and I become the part-time assistant for 135 bucks a month. <laughs> At UCLA. I rent a room from Estelle Lisey, eighty bucks a month, 12 cats, five dogs, no visitors, yeah. wash dishes at the dorm. Wait, wait, wait. Get my meals for free. Okay? So this I love leads it. this leads the next year to Gary Cunningham, who cut me, hired me to coach the team that he cut me from. That right. The freshman team. The, now the JV team. The, now the JV team. Because he didn't want – Oh, the far- same team? Okay. Yeah. Oh, He hilarious. didn't want Farmer wasting time with the JV team, so he gave me the oh, team. Oh, my goodness. So, so I hang around long enough. Now I'm coaching with Farmer. <laughs> John Wood's granddaughter is going to the games. We meet, and we get married. <laughs> so it all started with the snake in the dorm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say.
1: <laughs> I held the snake in Larry and Farmer's house. And this is face. how
0: you became John the man Wood's who's, wife. who, who Thirty five years later. legacy. Beautiful, <laughs> wow! That is something else. That is something else. Okay, you answered. Uh, let me see. You probably want to answer all my questions. Me, but who oh, knows? knows? Tell me a little bit more about Barto. Oh, a, that's a tough position man. to get into, right? Oh, Coach it, it, Bart. You know what? How, how do you how do you follow the coach? Coach Barto. Uh,
1: you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're killing one
1: me. of the ni- I've never met a nicer human being. Okay. Let's, talk, let's talk about job interviews. Sure. So, there's probably some young cats out there watching the podcast, right? Absolutely. So, hey, you want to know what did you do with the job interview? How'd you get the job? Mm-hmm. Because I, I had to drive down overnight. I slept in my car. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, I went to the gym. I changed my clothes, my one pair of knit pants, mm-hmm. and a shirt with a collar. And I went and met with Gene Bartow, mm-hmm. who's now going to interview me for the part time assistant coaching job at UCLA. Did he know
0: you when you were there before?
1: No, he never knew me at all. He knew I was Larry Farmer's best friend. Okay, Farmer said, you should interview this guy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So here I am face-to-face with Gene Bartow for the big interview. What do I say? I say, Coach Barto, before you start, I got to tell you one thing. If you told me right now, Coach, to go over to the student unit and get you a turkey sandwich with mayonnaise, <laughs> I would sprint. And I would get you a turkey sandwich with mayonnaise, and I would sprint back. And if I gave you that turkey sandwich, Coach, and you opened it up and you looked at it and you said, Implement, I wanted mustard, not mayonnaise, I would say, yes, Coach. I wouldn't tell you that you ordered mayonnaise. I would just sprint back over and come back, and I'd give you the turkey sandwich with mustard and say, here's the sandwich you wanted, Coach. Sorry for the mistake. Gene Barto started laughing, and he said, "You're hired. We don't need an interview."
0: <laughs> you are the my favorite guy ever. This is a job interview. No, that's it. All right, be yourself. And 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 a good man. Oh, the 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 nicest so, person. T- tell me about that time. Did you know much about that time? How come wasn't Denny Crumb? Shouldn't he have been the heir apparent? In your opinion, I, I,
1: what I know, what I know, I've only. Red heard, or red, which okay. is totally unreliable. Okay, but what's what's been written is that Danny decided early on that he wasn't going to come back. I see to UCLA, and that JD Morgan really liked and wanted to have Gene Barto. And was Cunningham too young?
0: Coach Cunningham at that time did not want to get back into coaching. I see. Oh, because he was making good money real estate. Well, or he was not
1: what he wanted to do. He has a PhD in in education. Oh, okay. And he wanted to get into in uh, administration. Huh. But I mean,
0: we were so after we were really. really, I mean, let me tell me about your JV coaching experience. The great thing about the the JV team was awesome. It was uh, uh, all walk-ons, and uh, anybody that that made the varsity that of of, you know. Oh, I could
1: tell you one one note, (laughs) uh, one story. I could tell you that would be, I guess, be entertaining. Uh, The non entertaining story is that Larry Farmer told me. When I took the team, he says, "Imp, you got to keep one Craig Impelman."
0: <laughs> Meaning, yeah, the guy who there's the, going to be the, one guy. The guy is going to go get your turkey sandwich. Be experience <laughs> you no
1: know, one guy to be experience of his lifetime. You got to keep one guy. So I always kept one guy. That, but probably <laughs> my most eye opening experience guy. from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, and this is an entertaining story, was about Kenny Easley. <laughs> sure. So. Those of you out there, if you're watching this show, you probably should know who Kenny Easley is. Hall of Fame, free safety, arguably the greatest player in the history of UCLA football.
0: Arguably, that's Uh, fair. fair.
1: uh, Four-time All-American, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was unbelievable. So, Kenny Easley comes to me uh, his freshman year, and he says that he wants to play on the JV basketball team. Okay. So, I tell Coach Farmer, so, he has to go talk to, obviously, he tells Easley to go talk to Coach Donahue. And, of course, they say, no way. Mm-hmm. Now, the that, football coach. You coach think Dougie, we yeah. need a first-team All-American <laughs> out with this sweat hog implement and this <laughs> JV basketball team tearing his knee up? Right. Come on. <laughs> Get serious. Well, Easley's kind of insistent about it. And uh, Kenny uh, tells Coach Donahue that he does better in school when he's playing on a team. Quite true.
0: For a lot of, uh, for a lot of athletes, because his,
1: his schedule is more regular. Yeah. So, Coach Donnie says, "Okay, Kenny. Well, I'll uh, if you c- get good grades this year, next year,
0: you could do that. I'll let
1: you go play on the
0: uh-huh.
1: on the JV team." Uh, and so so it's so- the next year. True to his word, Kenny came back. So football season gets done, mm-hmm. and Kenny comes out and joins us for practice. Now. Keep in mind, I had been with the varsity. We had Marcus Johnson, Oof. who was Marcus Johnson. Forced we, had, to we, be had, we had eight work. NBA guys on our team, and that's yeah. probably a low count. Marcus mm-hmm. Johnson, David Greenwood, Kiki Vandway, Roy Elm with Brad Allen. Oh, I mean, come yeah. on. But anyway, yep. so I I saw some pretty good athletes. And, you know, Marcus was at the very extreme level. But we get out in the court the first day, and uh, Kenny's first practice. Now, the team's already going. I figure it's going to take him three or four weeks to learn our system and Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I decided to put Kenny at the back spot in the press.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, so he says, okay, coach.
0: A la Kenny Washington.
1: And then uh, uh, I don't want to give him any instructions. I I put him back there. And uh, the ball's on this side, and he's in the back all the way on the opposite side. And I don't – I'm getting ready to tell him, you know, Kenny, you got to move move. over a little bit, right? But he's just sitting there. So, one of our guys takes and throws a good long pass. Danny, Kenny Easley, the most startling athletic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you can't imagine it. Probably, if you were around Kenny Easley, you could imagine it. Mm -hmm. He's in a stance. (laughs)
0: Like he's going to hit somebody.
1: Two defensive slides, and he explodes, and he goes from one side of the basketball court to the other sideline. And he goes up in the air and he grabs the ball, and before he comes down, he throws a bullet pass the length of the court before he hits the ground Oof. to his teammate for a layup.
0: And you're like, Wala. no, uh, no, no, no! Wow,
1: <laughs> I blew the whistle and I stopped practice. I said, guys, there's a new way the press is going to work. <laughs> Because the press at that time, you know, you would shade this way and this guy had to rotate back sure, a little bit. And, I know it. You know. So, I said, guys, this is how this goes. Kenny, this is the half-court line. Anything that goes on back there, you got
0: it. You got it. <laughs>
1: Whatever you want to do, Kenny. You other guys, all four stay up until they get the ball across half-court. Kenny's in charge. <laughs> How'd that work? <laughs> oh, we were pretty good. Yeah. And I, well, I'll tell you another great – this is a great sportsmanship story, uh, a fantastic sportsmanship story. Uh, I was also coaching Jeff Myers. Jeff Myers was the little brother of David Myers. Oh, sure. And mm-hmm. the brother of Annie Myers. Mm-hmm. Now, I had gone to school with David. Kathy Myers is my
0: dear friend. She's the godmother of both of my boys. So, at any and, rate – And, I'm and Ann Myers – People, and Myers, people should what know, could, could, be argue, All-American. could be argued the greatest woman basketball player ever, yeah. and actually had, had a contract with a in, men's in happens, pro basketball yeah. team. So so, 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 yes. so
1: I'm, I'm, I'm coaching Jeff Myers. Well, the good news is that Jeff Myers is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty good. So he's starting. Okay? And my other four is really good. But Jeff Myers is starting, and, he, and should have been start. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a conflict that, you know – we we say our last name is Impelmeyer, so it wasn't a, a family <laughs> conflict. He was that good. Well, now Kenny Easley joins the team.
0: Mm. He's pretty good.
1: <laughs> he little he's a little bit different level. He like, you know, he's coming off the bench and getting twenty five in ten minutes. Oof. And you know, he was recruited in the ACC for basketball. Okay, North Carolina, Virginia. I mean, so he's a little better than Jeff. And uh, so I, but we're winning. Yeah. So I've kind of got a conundrum. And I'm going into Monday's practice, and I so I'm going to call them both over individually and say, hey, guys, look, I'm thinking about making a change in the lineup, and I'm going to watch practice this week and decide, but I want to let you both know in advance. Well, before I can have that conversation, sports stories of Los Angeles, you kids out there listen to this story, <laughs> Jeff Myers comes over to me and says, Coach Imp, he goes, I know you're like an uncle to me. I know we're family, and you're probably not keeping me in the lineup because you don't want to hurt my family's feelings. But, coach, Kenny's a lot better than me, and you need to start him. I said, okay, Jeff, thanks. So he walks away. Now, here comes Easley. Now, I'm sure Easley is going to ask me what it takes to start, and I mean, because mm-hmm. it's not even. He's yeah. been on the front page. <laughs> they had a front page L.A. Times article about him playing JV basketball. So, I mean, it's like, you know. So, Kenny. Did they consider putting him on varsity? Uh, we were pretty good. He could have played varsity, <laughs> but we didn't okay. need him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Kenny comes over and he says, Coach Imp, he goes, I know you feel like you probably should start me based on what I've been doing, he goes, but I think that would hurt the team. Wow. So, I want you to keep starting Jeff and just bring me off the bench I think it gives us better chemistry, if that's okay with you.
0: <laughs> that's a guy. So That's the kind of guy you need on your team. So
1: you, you asked me what happened next, you already know. I blew the whistle, <laughs> everybody in. said, I'm going to tell you guys the greatest story about teammates you're ever going to hear your whole life. <laughs>
0: Here's what happened. And let me tell you what just happened. That culture was, was woven throughout the um, program. You know, that's the way coach was, right? Coach always for the team. And and and, I, and, I, and that rubs off on others. Well,
1: here's a great culture story.
0: So, at
1: UCLA, there was a, a freshman court, and there was a blue curtain that came yeah, down, yeah. and there was a varsity court, and the locker room was over by the freshman court.
0: And that that was the same court that Al Skates, the legendary volleyball coach, would use, but, and, and, and volleyball players would often talk about, I never story. got around. Behind, the, that. Behind I, I, yeah, curtain. I was stuck behind same the curtain. curtain. Yeah, okay. So, when
1: you would go to practice, you would come on. Across the freshman court, and then you'd come across the curtain to get on the varsity court. Uh-huh. It was a big clock on the wall, huge. The practice started at three o'clock, and if you were late for practice, your job was to go sit in the bleachers, and then coach would talk to you, mm-hmm. and you'd tell him your story, and then he would decide what he was going to do. <laughs> okay, that was the rule. Yeah, and so there was a, the clock would tick. And that blue curtain was there, right? Yeah. When the time was, I was at UCLA, six years coaching, I never had a guy come over after 3 o'clock. Uh-huh. I mean, every time it was like, you know, 5 to 3, whatever, guys were on. The court. Yeah, because that had just been passed down from 25 years. No doubt. Of John Wooden. It was the curtain.
0: 15 minutes early is on time. So,
1: Larry Farmer uh, quit. And I got a job at another school, uh, and the the coach asked me. He wanted to ask me a lot of UCLA questions, obviously. And he said to me, he goes, Coach, if he goes, so what did you do at UCLA if your star player is late the day before the game? Yep. And I said, well, Coach, I, I don't know. And he says, what do you mean you don't know? I said, well, I was there for six years, and we never had anybody late for practice. Wow. That's
0: something else, isn't it? Yeah, that's his culture.
1: The, um, I have to tell you a bad innovation story. Okay.
0: Well, uh, it's pretty ho- funny. Hold on. No. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> okay. This is the no
1: innovation story. <laughs> yes. So you're playing at UCLA, Denny, uh-huh. and you go to pregame meal, and the trainer is Ducky Drake. Oh, sure. Now, Ducky Drake uh-huh. had been the track coach at UCLA, and then he was John Wooden's uh-huh. best friend. And yeah. Ducky was as much part of us doing, the, the, doing the, what they the, did. The,
0: the track facility, it's Ducky. It's Drake Field. Drake Stadium, yeah. yeah and he Drake coached Rayford
1: Johnson and C.K. Chang, the gold medal in the Olympics, et cetera. But mm-hmm. he was John Wooden's trainer okay. for all those years. They were roommates. Oh, athletic directors don't get any ideas. They roomed together on the road.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. They didn't even need separate rooms. That, yeah. Like, that's anyway, how, how we save money. <laughs> D- Ducky, <laughs> was,
1: Ducky was very much the glue uh-huh. of, of the team. I mean, he was just... Ducky was ducky. But pregame meal, you would have eaten the same thing that had been eaten a pregame meal for 15 years, which I might not get it quite what right. Is it? But I know it was that there would be a steak and some green beans. Some of the old guys are going to get mad at me because I'm, I'm going to – there might have uh, – I think a fruit cocktail. I think, guys, I'm sorry. I forgot. But I'm <laughs> sure about the three pieces of Melba toast and the one slice of butter and – the small amount of honey. Oh,
0: okay. But it was wow. – That's what we Getting had. crazy with that honey there.
1: This is what we had <laughs> for a free game meal. And I, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> that was it, though. It was
1: looking like, really? But that just what we – so. And it makes you why, relax because you know what's it, coming. Today, it would make no sense at all. But, of course, us stalwarts would say,
0: hey. Good enough for those guys. We got 10 of these eating that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good enough for those guys. So, I always thought that that was Ducky Drake's doing. Hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Which would go back far enough.
0: Peggy until oh, I come read Come on. <laughs> practical basketball. Oh my basketball. Goodness, coach.
1: And there's a section <laughs> of practical basketball about the pre meal. <laughs> uh, Guess coach.
0: what? Melba toast. We were
1: eating piggy lambert <laughs> pregame meal. One pat of butter, a little bit of honey. <laughs> I guess oh, we missed wow. the animation bus on that one. No, he, 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 he you know,
0: but on funny some level story. though, it relaxed everybody, right? Because you knew what you were going to eat. Yeah, true, and that was common. So yeah, you know, and it worked for the other group. That's pretty funny. So uh, that is hilarious, actually. Um, what happened? Um, how come you didn't work on Larry Brown's staff? Now, did, wasn't Larry Brown after? Uh, Let me tell you about Coach Larry Farmer? Brown. Now, Larry Brown. Let me tell you about Larry but, Brown. But not everybody knows about him. That guy is an unbelievable, call. a Philadelphia guy, right? Hall of
1: Fame, ten times Ball over. Of f- Most of your NBA coaches were clones of Larry Brown. Larry Brown. How yeah. did you get to become Alvin Gentry? How did you get to become Any the head Alvin. coach of the New Orleans? So, so at Alvin Gentry so, so Larry Brown took him to the New f- Orleans. It took, took, took UCLA to the final. Let and, me tell and, you about Alvin Gentry. This will give you an idea about the power of Larry Brown. Yeah. Alvin Gentry played at Appalachian State. He's an assistant coach at Colorado. Bill Blair is the head coach. They're going to get fired. He's going to be out of coaching. Larry Brown gets a job at Kansas. Bill Blair's best friends with Larry Brown. He says hire Alvin Gentry, who's Ooh. one of the greatest guys in the history of the world. Yeah, he is.
0: Unbelievable. Stand up he guy. gets with Larry Brown. Boom. Popovich, Larry Brown. Just just yeah. go down the list. Larry Brown is the tree. There's there's no doubt about it. For NBA coaches. And, and, and everywhere he went, he, I mean... They they not only would want, but he could turn yeah a team on on a yeah. dime. Like he could just turn them over. Yeah. So so let me talk to you about Larry Brown. So, well, how did he get this job? Did I he t- play t- at UCLA?
1: T- I told you that G. Barto. I've never been a nicer person <laughs> than G. Barto. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. You would be hard pressed <laughs> to meet a more likable person than Larry Brown. Okay. Uh, you cannot believe. The natural likability and charisma that this guy has. Mm -hmm. So, my story is this about Larry Brown. Mm -hmm. I worked for Gene Bartow one year, Gary Cunningham two years. Larry Brown's the new head coach. Mm -hmm. Okay? 1980. Whenever the year was. Who knows? But I don't mean it that way, but I don't remember. But anyway, he's the new head coach. So, he's got his assistant coaches lined up. But... He doesn't have a part-time assistant coach, the one that pays $135 a month. And so I have, dinners, I, I have two options. Yeah. I can go to Pepperdine
0: uh-huh.
1: with Jim Herrick and become a full-time assistant coach for 25000 a year. Okay. Or I could try to stay at UCLA with Larry Brown for 135 bucks a month. Okay?
0: I'm Doing the math.
1: But, but – you gotta understand it's how much that's why we love Nick Croner because he wanted the job, yeah, we what? wanted to be I we didn't care I wanted to be, wanted wanted to be a UCLA. it's so I met with Larry Brown over the weekend, okay, and I begged the guy to keep me for hundred thirty five bucks a month, <laughs> right yeah, yep, yeah. I love you, but I just don't have a spot for you, oh boy, all right. But let me tell you how likable this guy is. Mm-hmm. So now after he tells me he doesn't have a spot for me, he goes, but I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> I'm bringing in a guy <laughs> next week that I want to hire. And, you know, you really love UCLA, and I think you could sell him on the idea. Nice.
0: Now that we're showing <laughs> you. i taking the-, the job. There's the door, but before you go.
1: I want you to recruit the guy who I'm recruiting <laughs> to take, take the job, job that oh, you wanted. man. And I said enthusiastically, Coach, it'd be
0: my honor to do oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Who? Who was it?
1: I don't remember. <laughs> but I did it, and he hired the guy.
0: <laughs> so that's Larry Brown. Oh, I love it. I love it. So you went – now, Coach Herrick, he, he – not far from where we sit now, he he was a coach at Morningside High School.
1: Oh, yeah. What a great teacher. Right? Great teacher, yeah. So, so – so, Great teacher, yeah. Coach Herrick uh, – had followed Coach Wooden all the way through. And Coach Eric great at writing write everything. He's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So he's a curriculum guy. he got everything written down. And da, 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 boom, 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 boom. And then uh, he went to uh, – uh, became the head coach at Pepperdine. Mm. And then the two assistant coaches that first year were myself and a guy who's a great guy, one of the great coaches of all time. Uh, the winningest coach in the history of Pepperdine, uh, Tom Asbury. Oh, Asbury, yeah. Yeah, okay. Tom Asbury mm-hmm. won the league, I think, what, 7 years in a row. Uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. they didn't lose a road game and yeah. they were doing what Gonzaga does now in that in that league. But uh and Asbury, hmm. the confluence of knowledge. Uh Asbury had been Jim Brandenburg's assistant at Wyoming. Okay. Jim Brandenburg had been Judd Heathcote's assistant uh, at, Michigan State. at Michigan State. Yeah. Judd Heathcote had been the assistant coach coach to John Wooden's best friend, Marv Harshman, at Washington State. Oh. And Asbury brought a tremendous knowledge to the table. Uh, One of the things that he bought was a real knowledge of, I mean, everything, but to to teach the matchup zone. Like, I couldn't teach a matchup zone if my life depended on it. I don't know it. You can't teach me. You don't know. Mm-hmm. But he knew this inside and out because he had learned it under Brandenburg. And, you know, yep. so Herrick was able at Pepperdine then to bring in the great wooden man-to-man defense and then competently bring in a real defensive alternative, which sure. was the matchup zone, which uh, which Tom can brought I, in.
0: Can I ask you something? Just a coaching question before I ask you another one. I, I mean, I just kind of did this instinctively, but I never really saw coach right on it. Going full court, you're in a 2-2-1 two, two, zone press. Yep. And then when did you then transition into the man-to-man? Was it after the ball crossed half court? And and then theoretically you're supposed to be on the person you're assigned to, but do you just pick up where you've ended up on your rotation before you, you switch? Because I don't remember Wooden's team switching a whole lot once they now, started playing defense.
1: I, I can't speak. For Coach Wood because I wouldn't have practiced with him. So, all I can do is give my best Larry Farmer, Gary Cunningham.
0: Yep, which is a direct line.
1: I mean, anyway, so in the front of the press, we have two guys. Yeah. One man and a two man. If the ball gets
0: behind. I I look over at my daughter right now. She remembers all this because I got to coach her in high school.
1: If the ball gets behind the one and two guy, the press is broken.
0: Uh, We
1: get back. First guy back takes a basket. Next guy back is a little inside, a little above the free-throw line, takes the ball. Everybody else is sprinting back, branching out, guarding who needs to get guarded. So we're not – if we can get to our guy. Great. If not, okay. we're not. Fair enough. Uh, and certainly if the ball crossed half court. Uh, but, you know, Coach Wooden in the press, you know, what he did with that uh, – the, the, the challenge is this. Coach Wooden had this framework, but he coached all of his teams differently.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like he treated people.
1: Like Walt Hazard learned one version of John Wooden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Larry Farmer learned a different version. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, different systems. Uh, so with Walt Hazard, his offense, Coach Wooden's high post offense was almost a wide open, put it on the ground, passing game, because he had Hazard, Goodrich. I mean, it, they were running cuts. They were cutting, not screening. Yeah, and So that kind of became hazard version of the offense. Larry Farmer played in the Wicks row era where we set a good screen. We came off, open shot, toss it into the big guy, typical inside out. So that was kind of the Gary Cunningham, you know, whatever.
0: So you – Yeah. So – Each team a little It's different.
1: hard to say what Coach Wooden did.
0: Yeah. And, and, and come to think of it, that, 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 that's something I took from Coach was that was one of the things he said, like, I think it's – entirely fair that I don't treat any two people the same way. Everybody needs to be met at a particular place. Yeah. And, and and I would imagine that it also is on a team. Yep. That each team is probably, you know, coached a little different according to their strengths and what they needed to, you know, improve on.
1: I think that's probably the most difficult when you're working with a business, that's probably the most difficult wooden concept to teach, uh, because kind of typically if we think about normal teams and team environments or work environments, everybody said, well, just treat everybody the same. I mean, that's what – That's
0: almost what's in, in – that, that, That's almost state law. It, right? yeah.
1: And, you know, Coach wouldn't realize at one point in time that he couldn't treat everybody the same. He was going to treat everybody with the respect that they earned and deserved. Mm-hmm. and But he was going to be fair mm-hmm. with everybody. And so if you were going to say a direct business application, you know, Coach Wooden used to tell the team, I, I, I love you all the same, but I don't like you all the same. <laughs> and right. there's some of you I'd never want to date my daughter <laughs> in your entire lifetime, but you'll probably start and play a lot. And there's others that I would love you to marry my daughter, but you might not play. So that's not going to get into the, yeah. to get into the mix. But, I, but I, I used to say I'm going to treat you all the same, but I'm not going to treat you all the same. Now, yep. if you study all the coaches, the famous coaches, they all had that same – Vince Lombardi, very underrated in that regard. Uh, there was the famous misquoted saying where the, uh, one of the – Leroy, whatever his name was, said, he treated us all the same. He treated us like dogs. Yeah. That was not the case. Lombardi was a master psychologist – and the way he would talk to Fuzzy Thurston would be completely different than the way he would talk to uh, to, uh, uh, to to Jim Taylor. Sure. And he, he he knew how to talk to that one guy. Coach has said to him many times that the way he coached Hazard and Goodrich was entirely was, different. Was, was completely different. And the way I would explain it to employees is that if you've been working with the company for 10 years and you have a perfect time and attendance record, and you tell me that you need six months off to go back to Kansas to help your ailing mother, mm-hmm. my response might be different than if you've been working here for six months, and you've been late ten times, and you want to go back to Kansas. Yeah, no
0: doubt. No doubt. So that's kind of the... What year did you marry into uh, the family then? 35 years ago. Doing the math. So I, that no, would...
1: I'm fr- I'm fr- 1984, I guess, is that right? 84, 85, yeah. Yes.
0: Okay. I'm, uh, and so, Coach had been, what, 10 years retired, nine years retired. And were you. So, look at this. i got to
1: show you. I remember I told you about this. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah this, so, i got to always get this. is my copy of Practical yeah. Modern Basketball. And anytime Coach signed anything for a child, he would write, he'd sign it Love mm-hmm. for a little child. It's
0: right, it, there's one right up underneath that television that says For Sienna, Love, John Wooden, he UCLA. Wrote,
1: he wrote Love? Yeah. And yours says Best Witches.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know where I stand.
1: So, uh, so it's perfect. <laughs> How old were you when Coach signed that for you, Santa? I was probably eight. Yeah. yeah. Like so he, everything you ever signed left. for a child, he signed love. Look right at <laughs> Santa's spot on. So I asked Coach at one point in time, this was signed in 84 after we had been married, and Coach signed his book to me with a little bit more than just good luck.
0: Best wishes. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll let Denny, <laughs> D-
1: Denny read that to the, so this is the, to one the that, way Coach Wooden signed his book. So, to me. Uh,
0: for Coach, uh, he called me Coach on my ball, by the way. For uh, Coach Craig Implement with best wishes always and the request to do your best to make Christy happy and keep her happy. John Wooden on Christmas Eve of 1984.
1: So, now I have to tell you, my, my – if you want to. Uh, wow, that's,
0: that's so sweet. He is such a sweet man. Sweet? It says request. Well, two. He's looking out. He's looking out for Christy. He, he's not worried about you. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> he's looking out for compelling. Christy. I think.
1: Okay, Danny, I've told you this story, but this is my. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about my favorite John Wooden stories because it goes to Christmas. Yeah, Eve, I, the sure. Christmas Eve story. So, <laughs> John Wooden. There's a word I like to use. It's idetic, and you folks at home can look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> And I may not be using the word exactly right. It's a version of photographic, but it's a little bit more extreme than photographic. But John Wooden, when he speaks, as though people are always amazed when he spoke because yeah. he had he would reel off poems, it's and they'd right. always go, "Where's the teleprompter? Oh, I can't believe he just did that poem." Well, reality was, I knew the coach wouldn't had about twenty five poems in the box.
0: Okay, okay? that he had memorized.
1: He could pull them out. Anytime he wanted. Yeah. He just had him. I mean, it yeah. was what it was. Uh-huh. Which is amazing. It is. On its own. <laughs> Christmas Eve, I'm at Nan Wooden, I call her mom, granddad's house, Coach Wooden's daughter's house. Yep. And I'm sitting on the couch in the living room. And in the middle is Papa here. And on this side is Karen, my wife's sister, and I'm sitting here. Just the three of us. And Karen says Papa, how did you get interested in poetry? And Papa says, well, on the farm, after the chores were done at night, my dad dad used to read us scripture, and then after he read scripture, he would read poetry to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that coach does what he does, which is to sit back just a little, and he does this and he closes his eyes and he leans back yep and he proceeds to recite two really long reasonably long 19th century poems which i have never they're not in the 25 oh wow they're not Uh in the box okay i've never heard him recite these poems before i mean not even close so he gets all He's done. pulling those Ka- out from his childhood. Karen, Karen's like, oh, Papa, that's amazing. And, and uh, well, of course, I said, I said, Papa, I've never heard you recite those poems before. And he says, well, I never have. And I said, well, how do you, how did you remember them? He goes, well, that's two that dad used to read on the porch.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, he had that kind of recall because he could recall almost anything when when queried like in his interviews that he would do and people would ask him about something and he could go into unbelievable detail about about something from 1938.
1: And then if you're talking about kind of going from the, the next astonishing. who I don't know who could do this. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who does this. I'm sure there's somebody out there who does it. Okay. But we talk about preparation. Mm -hmm. So it's well known that John Woods. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. It's well known that John Woods spent two hours every day, 10 to 12, uninterrupted, unless there's a family emergency, planning practice. 10 to 12. That's no big secret. Every day. Uh Now, the fact that he did this every day for 25 years and that the outline of practice is pretty much on the surface the same or similar year to year, it becomes a little bit more amazing. But if you walked into John Wooden's office, to get the whole story correct, there was binders in a bookcase. And I think maybe Coach Eric has these binders. And the binders were the practice schedules for all the years that John Wooden had coached at UCLA. Hmm. And every day before the meeting, he would take out three binders which would be the three previous years. Because mm-hmm. if he had a senior, that meant that he would have been at practice that day. Oh, right. So he's got those binders opened up with the minute-by-minute minute what happened in practice. Yeah. But there's notes about what happened in practice. Now, let's talk about how that happened. So he goes to practice, and I, he has his card. I can't say that he's writing on his card during practice because I don't know one way or the other. I'm guessing he didn't need to, given the poem story. But what I do know is that, and my wife thinks it's funny that I would even bring this up, is that they would come back in the locker room, the coaches, after practice, uh-huh. and before the coaches took a shower, my wife thinks that's an unnecessary detail. <laughs> before the coaches took a shower, he would have them sit down, right? Uh-huh. And they would recount practice. What went well, what didn't do well, blah, 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 blah. And Coach sure. would make notes. About it. Okay. Detailed notes. This drill was too long. Da, 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 ah. On the cart.
0: And then in the binder.
1: Now, Not now, yet. he gets done. He takes a shower. The team is showering and they're going to be headed up for pregame meal, which is yet another story. Coach, then, while they're doing that, goes up to the office before pregame meal, takes the binder from that day's practice it puts the notes from the card on the binder hmm boom and this goes on for so imagine being a sales guy and doing that every time you did a sales call having the discipline
0: to do that every single time
1: and then i don't mean i mean every time jeez right and you know if we're talking about attention to detail if we're talking about organization uh
0: yeah, unreal.
1: I mean, you know, Coach, I, 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 when they built Paul Pavilion, Coach requested that the visitor's locker room be identical to his locker room. Mm-hmm. And he wanted it nice, but not too nice. And he <laughs> thought it would be discourteous for his team to have a big locker room and right. the other team to have.
0: <laughs> wasn't exactly the Boston People
1: Garden. seem to say that you need it for recruiting, Coach didn't want somebody if they didn't want to come. That's right. So if you're if you run a company and you're begging somebody to join your company, you don't need them on your team. Mm-mm. But let's talk about after practice, right? You got to take your gear, mm-hmm. and you got to take your shoes, Denny. Mm-hmm. You got to take your shoes to the cage. Obviously, you got to clean your locker up. Yeah. Spick and span. And coach does go in and check <laughs> the locker room. That upset him more than anything.
0: And if you left a place, you go
1: to the cage and you turn your shoes in, because your shoes are kept in a special shelf where it's temperature controlled with the laces open to he air really out. He really did care about your feet, didn't he? Because coach <laughs> thought that was the most important thing. Then they would take your gear. The manager would count your gear, and then he would give you an orange. Mm-hmm. And then before computers. On the bulletin board right there, would be the stats already posted from that day's scrimmage, Jesus. and the cumulative stats that were taken to practice.
0: Unreal, unreal.
1: And coach didn't need to have a conversation. He didn't need to tell them to look at the board. No. He didn't have a, need to have a speech
0: about the numbers, right? Because guess what? They were going to look. They were going to look. Um, what do you think when you, when you got to know him a little bit better, 84, 85, he'd married into the family, do you think he missed coaching at all? Coach? Yeah.
1: I, I, I don't know. He always said that he uh, missed practice.
0: That he missed practice. He, missed practice. Maybe that's,
1: he said that over and over again, that he, mm-hmm. but that he missed practice. But, I, you know, I would, I would get that he missed.
0: Over those days, like, because um, then his routine became going to VIPs, was it called? The, uh Vips. Vips. Yep.
1: See, Denny, you're leading me. You're leading me to a new, unreleased story.
0: Okay. Okay. By all means, do tell.
1: This is an unbelievable story. <laughs> this story's never been told. Okay. I think I told one person. <laughs> okay. So there's a coffee shop in the valley. The yep. food is great, by the way. It's mm-hmm. called Vips. Vips. And Coach Wooden went to Vips, not every morning, but many mornings for breakfast. Yeah. And he sat in the same booth, and he had the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the owner uh, is Paul and his wife. And I I hope my wife never sees this podcast because I can't remember Paul's wife's name. And she's fantastic, unbelievable, the greatest person in the history of the world. They run the business. Okay. So there's a couple things with Coach Wood that you can never do. All right. You can never get a check. Oh. And you can never open the door for him. Is that right? You try to open the door for John Wood. Not going to happen. Hmm. He's going to open the door for you. And if we're eating with the guy, you're never going to get the check. <laughs> okay. He's going to get the check. I mean, like,
0: that's the way it goes. That's the way okay. it goes.
1: Now, Nan Wooden's husband, Dick, mm-hmm. was the only guy I ever saw that coach let open a door for him. So, hmm. Dick. Okay. But back to the story. So, I don't know at what point in time. Coach had a saying that I originally didn't like, which was the time to make friends is before you need them. Uh Because I thought it was gimmicky. But what Coach meant by that saying was don't make somebody your friend just because you want something from them. Yeah. Just be friendly to be friendly. Okay. So now we're going to go into the story. So at a point in time, Coach Wooden, maybe it was after he passed away, I don't know, but there's a booth, John Wooden's booth. Mm -hmm. But I know the Wooden's family money was no good at VIPS. Okay, they understood. So we could go there. We could try to pay, and Paul will not let you pay. Nice. I mean, it well, doesn't matter. He's not gonna let you pay. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, and he, and if you, and you can't even tip the waitress and the busboy, he's gonna say, "I got that." So you you have to sneak cash tips to the waitress and the busboy <laughs> when Paul's not looking. But you're definitely not gonna get the check. So. And this goes – this still goes on to this day. And you think about the – That's something else. Well – You think I'm, about John Wood's legacy, really, 10 years later, you're springing for the this guy's family's yeah. meals. And it, if you bring 10 people, 20 people –
0: Well, I'm sure Gandhi didn't pay for his checks still, either. It's still
1: the same thing, right? Okay. I don't know if Coach paid or not. That would be a Mike Warren question. Okay. But – which another guy – that's a guy you should that have on the podcast. That is a good guy. He'd be great. He's a good guy. Uh, but uh, – so here's my story so i go to vips and i'm picking up my my mother-in-law wouldn't feeling that hot and so i go to vips to get some of the great wonton soup to go sure and i call the order in ahead of time and uh so paul so i'll be standing out in front i go paul at so i park and i go in well paul's not at the counter so Guy standing there i think it's his son or something and, and he says well did you order go yeah i told paul he goes oh yeah it's right here the order's ready he goes "Well, you wait uh, paul's back in the kitchen he probably wants to say hello to you but paul's not coming up okay right and uh so finally the guy says well okay and uh so he rings up the sale and i'm thinking i'm finally going to get to pay for something at vips and uh so i give the guy 20 right and uh i think he gave me five and change so i give the guy 15 bucks okay so now i go out and i parked in the parking lot behind VIFS, which is really be like walking denny from here long parking lot okay i'm all the way in the back four or five minute walk right the Way i walk so i got the soup and i'm thinking i did it i paid it <laughs> you paid it VIPs. i go out <laughs> and i open the passenger side door of the car and i got the soup and I can feel somebody behind me, and it's Paul.
0: <laughs> and he's not going to let you pay. He doesn't say anything.
1: He doesn't say anything. He's standing behind me. He reaches in my pocket and stuffs something in there, and he says, Craig, you need help with the soup?
0: Oh, we don't want goodness. it to spill.
1: The lid's on it tight. And, of course, I, I just took the soup.
0: Yeah. Uh. I, said, I said, thank you, Paul. He said, of course. So nobody's course, still to this I, day. I looked in my pocket. There's the, 15 bucks. The streak is intact. <laughs> so, how good of
1: friends did John make?
0: Yeah, of course he did. The coach
1: wouldn't make? The owner of the restaurant's chasing the flunky son in law out in the parking lot in the heat to give him a refund. That's you, how good a friend's job. You would told be. me
0: you told me a story uh, when we first met that cracked me up. Was it about the end of Coach's streak? Um, they won eighty eight straight. I think they lost at Notre Dame, and there was a, a kid on that team who sat directly behind where Digger Phelps was, and I think Coach had Swen Nader on the team.
1: Well, there's two great stories. There's there's, there's about there's three great stories about that game.
0: Because that, that that's like there's legend a multi- game. there's a
1: multitude of stories about that game. But yeah. so I'll start first of all. With the first one I like, which is not the one you're asking, but I will give you that one second. Uh, Larry Farmer was 89 and one as a player. As a player, 89 and one, three national championships, best record of any player in history, of college basketball. Jeez, eight. He and won 89
0: out of 90 games. And
1: so it's unbelievable. Larry said that, uh, or Coach Farmer said that he was giving a speech, and he was joking with me, and he's because of course some guy in the crowd asked, "Well, what did John Wooden say after he lost a game?" <laughs> And Larry said, Well, he goes, I didn't have a lot of experience with that. But I can't remember exactly what he said because it only happened once. And that was back at that game. uh, At Notre Dame. Yeah, at Notre Dame. I don't, that might have not, yeah, that was the game. Uh, It might not have been that game. But anyway, so coach, he said, Coach came in the locker room and he said, We got whipped. Only good things about the other team, get a shower, and let's get out of here. Uh And that was it. That's it. And it was interestingly, I had this conversation with Lute Olsen. Mm -hmm. And Lute was talking about how he took the same approach, which is super short, under 30 seconds, under a minute after
0: we lose a game. That's right.
1: Mm -hmm. Because we're only going to fix it. You can at fix practice. it in practice,
0: and nobody's listening a whole lot, anyways. So
1: there's a couple stories about about that game, and it might not be that game, but it's about the game you're asking, yeah, about that are just great stories.
0: Eighty-eight so, a- 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 game winning streak. And it, I, I'm not sure that this
1: is the game that this happened in, but there was a game at Notre Dame, okay, and Digger Phelps was the coach, and the the first great story. Uh, is a great coach, a Hall of Fame high school coach from De La Salle High School, who's now a uh, uh, great athlete in his own right, who's now an assistant athletic director at USF. And he was a player on that Digger Phelps team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he uh, uh, he idolized Coach Wooden so much that the night before the game... <laughs> yeah, I love this. He yeah. hid under the bleachers to watch UCLA practice. Right. He didn't want to get any secrets. He just wanted to see... What it look like? Right. And so he told me the story. He says, yeah, he said, Larry Hollifield wasn't moving quite real fast. And he says, Coach Wooden says, you know, I guess we all expect, hey, you got to hustle. He said, Coach was said, Larry, are you tired? And immediately everybody, who? That's what was brilliant. That's all he said. Brilliant.
0: That's what was so brilliant about him. Uh, Larry, are you, are,
1: tired? You tired? are you tired? Are you tired? <laughs> and, uh, so that was that. And uh, so then he proceeded to tell me the story. Because he was on the bench right. at that game. And uh, I believe it was that game, in fact. But anyway, so Walton's in the game, and Walton has a bad back. Mm-hmm. And John Shoemate is really roughing Walton up. I mean, Shoemate, a- Shoemate was a great elbows uh, to Notre the back, Dame player. Yep. Elbows to the back, to the point where Coach feels like he's trying to injure him. Mm-hmm. So Coach Wooden gets up, and... The coach is telling me this. He walks down, and I'm not going to get the words exactly right, but
0: he says, Digger. So he he, he walks down to where Digger's coaching. During the game. During the game. Right. right in front of Digger. Uh-huh. And looks him right in the eye. Uh-huh.
1: And says, Digger, there's two ways we can settle this. <laughs> right. You can tell Shoemate to quit trying to hurt Walton. Yeah. Or I got Swen Nader down there who's 7 feet, 270 pounds. I could put him with some instructions, and that'll be the end of it. See, I love and then, that. And then in co- typical Coach Wooden fashion, yeah. he says, it's up to you, and walks away. Yeah. So, uh, the finish of the story is that Digger told Shoemate to knock it off. Yeah. And he did. The finish to the story.
0: The real finish to the story.
1: Is that the next week, John Wooden wrote Digger Phelps a letter, mm-hmm. apologizing to his behavior, yep, and also asking Digger to pass along his apologies <laughs> to, to Shumate. John Shoemate, who was a fine ah, young man. It's something else
0: that is something. That, else. That's kind of a classic. That is that is so. But I could just see him going, you know, we you know, when he was a champion in his country. In oh yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: but that did happen.
0: Oh man. What, what got you, um, involved? Um, I mean, I could imagine you're inspired, but to, you know, promote coach's legacy and to start the Wooden's, um, wisdom, uh, website and, and, and sharing that newsletter. Cause, uh, I should say to, um, those that listen to the podcast or watch the podcast, they'll know that, uh, Wooden's wisdom is one of, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's one of the supporters of our podcast, and it's where we're able to gain archives and relate wooden stories to any of our stories.
1: Great story. So uh, I'm working for Gene Bartow. Coach. 135 a month. <laughs> and uh, But I'm coaching at UCLA. Hey. So there was a guy that had, uh, ran basketball camps all over the Northwest United States. So... He would bring in the UCLA assistant coaches as guest speakers. Okay. And we got paid, I think I, I probably got paid $100 or $150. And it was more than I made in a more month. More than you probably. made in a month. Yeah. It's a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Kelly Warner calls me and says, hey, you want to come up and speak at these camps? Sure. And uh, so I knew at that time I wanted to talk about more than just basketball. Sure. And the only thing I knew more than basketball was John Wooden. And he had <laughs> written, uh, Wooden's Wisdom has 414 issues and growing. And if you go in the leadership library, you can pull down by you, you, topic. You, 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 ex- you
0: should explain. You've developed this website.
1: Well, I'll tell you that. But anyway, you, you can pull it up by topic. It's, it's fascinating. And if you go topic medalist articles, it pulls in yeah. – the original, at that time, Coach Wooden had written this book, and they call me Coach, but at not all time. the other books. Okay. But he had written a lot of articles for Medalist Publications, which was a, a, a publication that was distributed to all basketball coaches. So the content of these articles was his sayings and his thoughts on life, mm-hmm. which are very similar to what ended up in the Blue Book. Mm hmm. So I had collected all those articles mm. and I'd had our basketball secretary type them up and put them in a binder. I see. So okay. I got on the airplane and I took that binder and I went through and I picked out five things from John Wooden that okay. I had learned that I wanted to teach and then you at basketball camp. Good. So that that started that 20 years later, 25 years later, who knows? I lose track. By that time, I was teaching these lessons at all my basketball camps that Coach Wooden was speaking on. This has been going on for 30 years, and it's a whole two-hour deal called The Talk, and I'm doing skits about take out the trash and don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses, (laughs) and it's funny, and it's great, and the kids love it. And so I have a client. I'm running a collection agency which is built on love and balance in the love pyramid and of success. Mm-hmm. We're the nice collection agency, front page LA Times, treat everybody great. Okay. Uh, and, uh, love and balance. My That's client, love and balance, That's brilliant. love and balance, first day training, the collector, love and balance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So my client, SPC, AT&T now, wants me to come and give a speech hmm. about wood. Mm-hmm. Never done a corporate speech. Well, I decided I'm just going to give the same speech I give at the basketball camp. Mm -hmm. So I do. And it works. I'll bet. So then I wanted to give something to the team members at my work on a weekly basis that was a lesson from John Wooden. So I took the medalist publications. I took the blue book. And then each week... Our secretary would pull out, we put together about a 150-page lesson called Coach's Corner. And if you worked at our company, every Monday morning when you came to work, Mm -hmm. that piece of paper would be sitting on your desk. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people took it and threw it in a garbage can. Some people would come and hand it back to me and say, I don't need this. I need to make more money. (laughs) And other people would tell me it saved their marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. Other people would tell me they gave it to their child's teacher. hmm And that went on for 10 years. So if you actually worked with me at that company, you would have actually read the Blue Book 10 times. Sure. Over the course yeah, of the I mean, year. it makes a lot of sense. So now John Wooden dies. Jim Haney, fantastic person, who's the head of the National Association of Basketball Coaches mm-hmm. at ABC, 4,000-plus members, Imp and Lynn Guerin was instrumental in this. Is there something we can do to perpetuate coaches' lessons? Sure. And so I said, Well, I got something, Coach's Corner. Great. And then oh, Lynn and I decided we wanted something more substantial. So instead of a 150 word lesson, it became 500 words, mm-hmm. a video clip, one of Coach Wooden's favorite poems and an application exercise. Those are the four components. Okay. And it was delivered by email. Wooden's Wisdom, Issue 1. Curriculum started out, seven-point creed, two sets of three, Mm -hmm. pyramid of success, one on each block, the mortar, straight to the masterpiece, practical modern basketball, Uh on what it takes to be the coach, Wow. coach as a leader, coach as a teacher. That's That's year one curriculum. Okay. 50 it's only going to go 1 year. Come on, they're going to get tired of this after
0: a year, right? <laughs>
1: 52 issues. Right? So it starts going out to these 4,000 by email. Nobody looks at emails. 4,000 plus coaches. Well, one out of 3 of the coaches are reading it. One out of 10 are sending it to somebody else, which is our combined open rate including forwards is close to 60%. That's
0: that's that's unheard of. I mean,
1: So now, Coach Haney and I talk, well, here's my year two curriculum. (laughs) Of course. Here's the results you got for (laughs) year one. All right, him.
0: Look out. Let's go. So that's how it developed. So now we
1: moved into Coach Wooden's Saints. I just sent Jim Haney an email two weeks ago giving him the results of our eighth year. Eighth year. We have over 1.5 million opens. Come on.
0: That is brilliant. I got
1: goosebumps telling you that. That is brilliant. From 4,000-plus coaches that are constantly new guys are added every week. Some are on issue 415. Some are on one. And it just keeps going. I ran out of wooden content after 313 issues. I then picked out 50 other coaches, ranging from – Yep. Red Hour back to Bill Belichick and everybody in between. I um, just wrote my fourth issue on Valerie Kondo's field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the results we're still at this 60% Unruh. total opens. One out of four coaches open it. And then we've also marketed it to college. Obviously, UCLA gets permit sure. in your athletic department. Watch Pepperdine, and Oklahoma State, Florida. So the idea is that athletic departments buy it for everybody that works in their athletic department. The cool thing about it is that the open rate is the same with coaches as it is with non-coaches.
0: Yes. So, okay, I had worked in athletics for so long and then made this transition into doing this podcast and certainly wanted Coach Wooden, in his wisdom, to be, to be part of it. So after I met you, I, I was familiar with Wooden's wisdom. The vault, but, but but and then the vault was turned over, of course, which was unbelievable, but you you said these things, and what we've done with the podcast is we have a coach's corner on our website, which is great, and so people go to that, and right now, what's there is coach's favorite poems, and it allows one of our listeners to read that poem, send it to us, which is awesome, Let me okay, let, and now wait, then your your newsletter you comes in, and I forward it to my crew, right. And I say, if you want off of this, let me know. And most everybody comes back with, "Nope, keep sending them." Like these are great. Let's talk about the poems. and it's, and and so so hold on. What is so important is coaches' teachings, and then you have picked up this legacy and spread it. And even a small little business like mine will use it to create a backbone to be, create what we believe. It's great as far as moving ourselves forward, and that's brilliant that you're. Keeping Coach's legacy alive well, like that, do. and then you're putting your uh, own particular and really, and, but personality really into it. I have to
1: say, there's not much. In it, there's not much of me writing in Wooden's wisdom. Mm-hmm. I try to pull out Coach Wooden's words, not Craig Uplin's version. So. And the vault that we're talking about is our leadership library, which has 414 issues. You can look up any issue by topic. That's unbelievable. Whether you want mental toughness, and you might see, oh, here's what Joe Torre says about it. Here's what Belichick. Here's what Coach Wooden says about it. But we got to talk about the poems, and we got to talk yeah. about, the file, about the file cabinet. So <laughs> the poems, the poems for probably the first at least 100 issues were direct favorites of Coach Wooden's. Yeah. Okay. Other ones came from ones he marked off in books.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Now we're kind of moving into Edgar Guest poems. But anyway, let's talk about the file cabinet. So when I would go visit Coach Wooden, he had a little file cabinet behind him. Oh. and uh, in his dent? He'd sit at his desk, mm-hmm. and he'd reach in that file cabinet, He'd pull a folder out, and he'd open the folder out, and he'd figure through it, and then he'd take a poem out that he liked, <laughs> and he'd read it out loud to me. And then he'd hand me the poem. So that's
0: That's how it started. That
1: started. And, of course, I kept my poem collection. Fast forward. Coach Wooden dies. This is a great story. So, obviously, there's Coach Wooden's condo. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff at the condo. Mm -hmm. Memorabilia. Uh, The family allowed UCLA to take his den and recreated at UCLA, Which, but there's still a lot of stuff. It's brilliant in the house, right? It's so good. And uh, so, my mother-in-law kept asking me if I wanted to come over and see if there's anything that I wanted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I said no, mom. I'm just, I didn't. I mean, I felt like I was just a son-in-law or grandson-in-law. Yeah, I wasn't blood, and I didn't want to get in the way of there's there's seven grandchildren, and the, they should. Have first licks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so finally, uh, Nan calls me. He goes, honey, do you want to come over and see anything you want? I go, no, Mom. He goes, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow, whatever's still here is going to the library or the trash. (laughs) I said I'll be over in 10 minutes. That's that's a true mom right there. So I go over there. (laughs) Now, this would only be meaningful to me. This is Raiders of the Lost Ark for me. (laughs) So I'm there looking around. Well, first of all, his entire nonfiction book collection is on the shelf. I took all that. There's boxes of videotapes, which I took all that. And Nance says, honey, you might want to look back in that closet. I think there's a file cabinet back there.
0: Oh, look out. Look out. It's
1: the file cabinet.
0: So that's what's on them. So oh. I
1: go back into the closet, and I open the file cabinet. There's the folder with all Look the poems, out. all Coach Wooden's oh, handouts wow. to his players. It's, to, it's John Wooden's file cabinet. Wow! So of course you know, yeah. Somebody else, maybe not so meaningful to me.
0: Oh, to. There's a lot of people. It's very meaningful. There's There's wisdom getting but, started. But that's it right there, and so, you're going to share that. one. Wow. It's pretty
1: easy. That, so the poems that you're working with came out of the folders. Unbelievable.
0: All right. Well, you know you know what Nan said? We, You know, I have a research team, of course. <laughs> and she said, Nobody in our family has a better understanding of the ideas and philosophy of my father than Craig Impleman. Well, that's sweet. And that's that sweet? So now... I have some questions for you. Well, we got to talk about the vault, too. Please. Because... Oh, yes, because... Because
1: you're going to ask me questions, but let me tell you something else. Yeah. And I, now you've gotten there already. Yeah, I have. Right now, there's about 100 and growing video clips with questions Coach Wooden was asked. Right. So, one of the fun things we like to do is if, if Coach Wooden... If you're going to ask Coach Wooden a question, what would it be? And then instead of me giving an answer,
0: you, you can go look to the at vault... It. Well, I'll tell you one better. I, um, For instance, we just produced, because we do these interviews, yeah, and yeah. then we'll post-produce them. So we did an interview with Peter Boulware. He played linebacker for the uh, Baltimore Ravens wow. on, on the team that won the Super Bowl next to Ray Lewis. So wow. He, okay. And he's a father of five, one of his daughter's outstanding beach volleyball player. She won our national championships. Peter was nice enough to sit down and do this interview. So we did this interview, but in building it backwards, we then say... Uh, I talk about being a coach of my children, and I say, and this guy's got five kids and such, and and you know what Coach Wooden says, and then we roll in a YouTube question where Coach says the importance of being a parent. And that's exactly what you have given to our podcast is the ability to go to the master and say, hey, why don't you chime in on this And there's a
1: Woods Wisdom YouTube channel out there.
0: Yeah. If you want to look up and – it's beautiful. See some
1: short answers,
0: anyway. All right, you ready? I'm going to ask you yes. a couple questions. First, some hard hitting journalistic questions. So,
1: okay, I'm going to see now. I'm going to see if I can not be Craig Impleman, and I'm going to see if I can be John Wooden. And here's what being John Wooden means.
0: <laughs> Come on now, no, you no, actually, no. I need Craig Impleman on this. First you one. actually
1: answer Coach Wooden Cause, actually cause, would cause, cause who, the, <laughs> Coach Wooden actually would answer the question <laughs> that you asked him, and then he would stop.
0: Oh, come on now. Let
1: you ask your next question. I I don't think he would.
0: <laughs> yeah, he would actually listen as much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, these I'm asking Craig first. Let's all right. try. Which of uh, the great UCLA basketball teams do you think was the best? What's that now? Which 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 of UCLA's basketball teams do you think was the greatest? Oh boy! I know Coach would never answer that question.
1: Well, yeah, Coach Wooden's answer is.
0: They're all. Do you have? Like uh, my I children. remember
1: somebody down in. Uh, <laughs> uh, Southern California I asked him that question at a deal, and, and uh, it was an older fellow, and he was pretty yeah. sure of himself. and Because uh, he started out by saying, Coach Wynn, we know you get all your usual blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah. want to hear any of that. Just tell us who the best. Yeah. And then Coach wynn said, do you have any grandchildren?
0: <laughs> which <laughs> one do you like the best?
1: <laughs> the guy said, well, yeah. Said, How many? Five. <laughs> which one's your favorite? <laughs> well, I,
0: uh, uh, I just care. What, long story one?
1: short. That
0: is a difficult question. Of course it is.
1: Question. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I would probably go to one of two.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: I I think conventionally, well, the one that I see, and I, I, I know Mike Warren and others would feel differently, <laughs> when Bill Walton was a sophomore, mm-hmm. they were undefeated. Mm-hmm. Their average margin of victory is 33.5 points a game, mm-hmm. which is a record.
0: That's unbelievable. Their okay. a- average margin of victory. 33.5
1: oh, points a game. That's 30 just and 0. absurd. Okay. So, you got Walton at center. You got Wilkes at the high post. Yeah. You got Bibby over in the corner.
0: Henry Bibby right? from the corner.
1: Greg Lee at the point. And you got Larry Farmer at the, at the well, I guess you would You're, call it the power forward. But – but what people don't realize, and I'm not prejudiced in this regard, Larry Farmer could guard anybody. Okay. Larry Farmer, 6'5", two feet standing, one step, put this much of his palm above the top of the square. So he would guard mm-hmm. the other team's best perimeter guy. And, and Henry Bibby is an elite defensive player. Mm-hmm. Jamal Wilkes, elite defensive. Defensive player, that Agreed. that team with Now I think traditional wisdom would probably go to. You'd probably have somebody say, the team with Mike Warren, and Lucius, Lou Kareem, yeah, and I, guys. I, I, they, okay. they're going to hate me. I don't remember the other starters. So I'm sorry. That, that's fair enough, Shackelford.
0: But- you just you just pushed the button at me. Um, but no, that is okay, my earliest let, memory let, of basketball. Let's
1: not let, let's talk about let's talk about another team, <laughs> okay. which nobody would put in that group. Yeah. But let's talk about the dynamics of the team for yeah. a minute, and the five starters: Henry Bibby, NBA, right, multiple years. Yep. John Valley, NBA, multiple years. Mm-hmm. Steve Patterson, NBA, mm-hmm. multiple years. Sidney Wicks. Second player taken draft, NBA multiple years. Curtis Rowe. Quicks and Rowe. Curtis Rowe, NBA That's a heck of multiple a years. I knew against you. Villanova, no substitutions till two minutes to go when the game is in hand. They always <laughs> talk about only one substitution against Kentucky, right? That Villanova game, he didn't substitute anybody. Whole <laughs> game. I guess he didn't think they were tired.
0: Uh, who's the best player coach ever worked with? I mean I to me that's an easy answer. He always says he's got a whole speech on that. I know that But he, to me I gotta say Kareem. I mean he's a great yeah, thing. I of the forget game.
1: I get it confused. He does the most valuable and then he does yeah, the he most does.
0: he says the most What did Kareem go? Eighty eight and two? He's
1: got one one that says most valuable and the other one is most dominant. Coach Wooden does a whole speech on it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. wanna but I will say this. I, I he has said this i I'll tell you two Two best, which as a volleyball guy, and when I heard this, I thought, yeah, uh, Coach he, he, he called him up. an athlete. He, he didn't say that. Come on, Keith but Erickson. He, he, Coach Wooden said, yeah. straight out, straight out, no, right, the greatest athlete that he ever coached was Keith Erickson. I remember, and there were no him and hauling, <laughs> period, and." on the best player ever right
0: you got to go with
1: he never said anything about his own team but there was an interview when he was asked about the best player ever and a kind of in an off moment he goes <laughs> he said michael jordan i think
0: oh might did he be really best ever. oh wow well he would have been watching him yeah you know
1: well, the thing about Michael Jordan – right after he retired. That's well, all he, that's the all thing about Michael Jordan, which, he, which the average fan doesn't know. Yeah, is that he was the best offensive player and the best, and defensive he was player. the best defensive player on the court. Yeah. yeah. So there's two things that happen yeah. with three minutes to go in a close game, and I don't care if you got mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard,
0: Kawhi Leonard LeBron is LeBron James. A
1: player. I don't care who you got. There's two things that happen. Jordan guards your best guy and he's done for the night. <laughs> yeah. And at the other end, Jordan's going to get what he wants. Yeah,
0: he is. Yeah, he is. So that's the way the close games end. Where was Coach Born and what year? I don't know. All right. 1910. He born in
1: 1910. The city he was born in was what? What's the actual Hall, say? Indiana. Hall. It was what?
0: H A L L Hall. Hall. Yeah.
1: Because at that you have the correct one. All right.
0: Uh what high school did he play at? I've been at the high school.
1: I got to tell you the statue story, and I can't, what? Tell me the name of the high school.
0: Martinsville High.
1: Martinsville. So I got to tell you the statue okay, story, okay, and there's okay. a video about it. Yeah. There's a video clip about this. Okay. So, but for your your podcast viewers, I love this story. <laughs> so Martinsville High School decides, without telling in, in Indiana,
0: of course. Indiana, Martinsville, Indiana. He, he wins the state title in 27.
1: And they decide that they want to put a statue of John Wooden in the lobby. Okay. Okay, but they did it without asking him. Uh, UCLA asked him a lot of times, could they do a statue? And he says, yes, after I'm dead. That was. That's, that's but anyway, him. Martinsville High School decides to do a John Wooden statue. And uh, Coach Wooden tells this story beautifully. So they build a statue and uh, they put it in the lobby. And they ask Coach Wooden to come back with his family to see the statue. Mm-hmm. And the trouble of it was that. The fellow that did the statue, when he shipped it, the head got broke in the shipping. (laughs) And they had to have somebody else do another head, but they didn't have a good picture. Okay. (laughs) So the statue was totally inaccurate in terms of John Wooden's head.
0: Oh, that's hilarious.
1: So now John Wooden walks in with his family to Martinsville High in the lobby of the gym, and they're all excited. To unveil the statue. Uh And, of course, Nan (laughs) turns to, said, Daddy, that's not your head. (laughs) And Coach Wooden says, shh, he's better looking than me. (laughs) And, And Coach never says a word about the statue having the wrong head. God,
0: you're the best. All right. Coach is married in 1932. Afterwards, where did he and his lovely bride um, what concert did they go to to celebrate? Who did they go see? What group? Oh, that's easy. Mills Brothers. Mills Brothers. I was listening to them the other night while I was shooting hoops out back where you shot. Okay. Like the Mills Brothers are terrific. Um, he was a three-time consensus All-American at what? At where? Well, at Purdue. college. I'm, I'm, he's, as, I'm as giving player, you layups here. As
1: a player, Coach wouldn't say this. As a player, yeah. he's the Michael Jordan of his day. Oh, I know. He's the, college player of the, the year.
0: The Indiana Rubberman.
1: Oh, and let's get that one straight. Let's get the Indiana Rubberman get Nova straight. Because people say, oh, yeah, he was, in the room. He was always diving okay, on ahead. the floor. Like, Sports fans, John Wooden <laughs> didn't like guys diving on the floor. Because uh. they thought it meant that you were off
0: balance. balance. Uh. Thank you.
1: Go back and watch all your John Wooden videos, okay. and you're not going to see anybody dive on the floor. Interesting. Maybe Dave Myers once or twice. I don't know. But other than mm-hmm. that, so – he got the name the Indiana Rubberman mm-hmm. because at the end of the gym, there was a kind of a rubber foam wall. Mm. And he would go so fast, he'd go in and he'd lay the ball up, and then he would bounce off the That's wall awesome. to sprint back on defense.
0: Uh. So
1: a sports writer nicknamed him the Indiana Rubberman for the way that he bounced off the wall.
0: To get back that is brilliant. on defense, that is brilliant man. So, you, guys, are we over that now? I, yes, and I didn't know that, and now I do. Well, and, and how I about, if, really how good about, about that. if
1: we understand? How about if we understand? John Wooden's teams never took charges. They didn't rotate defensively because if you guarded a guy, you had to stay in front of him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember somebody asking Larry Farmer about the defensive rotation. He says, "Well, we didn't rotate." What do you mean he didn't rotate? Well, if you got beat baseline, you came out of the game. So. <laughs> How does all this translate? Right? Come on, imp. They're not diving on the floor. They're not falling down. Oh, they won ten and eleven tries with a totally healthy team yes, with no did. injuries. How did Jamal <laughs> Will's career get ended? Play for Pat Riley diving uh, for a ball uh. and he hurt the ring finger on his shooting hand. Diving for a ball.
0: Where well, was Coach's first coaching job?
1: Wasn't it at
0: Dayton? Very good, Ohio. But that a boy. The, but you
1: got to tell the. I wrote an article about this. I because I, Coach tells the story mm-hmm. uh, when he was the football coach at Dayton. Yeah. And uh, when he got in the fight with the player, you know that story.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I do a little bit. He's co- uh, it's I does... wrote a
1: whole Woods Wisdom issue about it.
0: Yeah. And what? What's? Go ahead, tell that. Well,
1: I don't. I don't. I never get the story right. But he was he was coaching football and there was a big offensive lineman and yeah, he didn't. Want to do what Coach Wooden wanted done, and Coach Wooden was insistent that he do it. And the guy said, "I don't think you're man enough to make me do it." And what ensued, probably in today's environment, would have gotten yeah, John Wooden uh, he would have fired. But let's while we're on that topic, let's talk about coaches giving somebody another chance. Mm-hmm. And Coach Wooden always believed in giving somebody too many chances, as opposed not, to too few. Not too few, mm-hmm. and when Coach Wooden was in high school, high school, or grammar school? Mm-hmm. The hustle back get to jersey was in grammar school. The high school, I, the, the throw the jersey off, I think was in high school. Mm-hmm. One of the two, but Coach Wooden's brother had preceded him. Let's we'll say it's high yeah. school, and uh, Coach didn't think his brother had been treated great, That's and right. so Coach went a practice. And he loses his temper. Uh-huh. And he tells the coach, you're not going to treat me the same way that you treated my brother. Yeah. And Coach Wooden proceeds to take his jersey off and throw it on the ground and take uh-huh. everything off uh-huh. and all his gear and throw it on the ground and say, I'm done, and storm out of the gym.
0: Uh-huh.
1: His coach, Glenn Curtis, about a week went by, drove out by the farm and talked to Coach and caught him down, and got him to come back.
0: Mm-hmm. Or else. Absent. Can you imagine? Clay Curtis giving John Wooden. That second chance. Who, another chance. Imagine. We may not be.
1: And then Coach Wooden, on this second chance business, was famous that he had very few rules. He only had three rules. Be on time, no profanity. Uh, and and be on time, no profanity, and no cursing. No cursing, yeah. But. If you cursed, you came out of the game. He didn't say how long. If you're late, you didn't practice. He didn't say how long. If you're late, you you didn't didn't practice. But anyway, but he had a lot of expectations. Mm -hmm. But there was no defined penalty. And that's because when he was a young coach, he had a lot of rules. One of which was that if you were caught smoking, you are kicked off the team. He had a player that was not a great student but a great player. And he caught him smoking. Mm -hmm. And because he had that rule, he kicked him off the team. And the kid would have got a scholarship, probably to Purdue. Uh, yeah. he quit playing basketball, he never went to college, and he kind of had a rough life different. yeah and coach wouldn't always blamed himself for, for kicking that. that guy off the team, so he didn't want to back himself into a corner with the penalty on what a rule
0: would be. Um, where's coach's first college show?
1: Oh, uh, Indiana State.
0: Doggone right it was. At UCLA, 27 seasons. We know he won 10 <coughs> NCAA titles. You know how many games he won? No. 664. Wow. That's a lot of games. Um, What uh, award did he get in 1972? No idea. From a magazine. Father of the Year? From a magazine. I don't know. Sportsman of the Year. Oh, and okay, who was on the cover with him? Uh, 70, who was on the cover with him for sportsman of the year 72 would have been Make mark spitz it up. mark spitz
1: and you have a daughter
0: i do you have a daughter of course oh um i don't know and and myers who unbelievable Who? oh um billy jean king okay i would love to have her on the podcast she's got quite a life um who did he win his last game over oh kentucky of course well, you, you, the ones you don't know, you go, I don't know. And then the other one, you make me feel like a fool for asking you the question. Because <laughs> I'm not John Wooden. Uh, how many undefeated seasons did he have? Seven, I think. Four.
1: Four undefeated seasons.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, how many? Seven did, championships in a row. How many championships he win without Lou Alcindor or Bill Walton?
1: Well, there would have been uh, – Sidney and Curtis would have been two. Dave Myers would have been five.
0: That's right. Very good. What do you think his winning percentage in college and high school combined was? I have no idea. Guess. In the 80s. 81. 81-3. That's a crazy situation. Um, okay, we know that Notre Dame ended Let's the— Let's
1: talk about the most amazing stat. Okay. If We're, we're going to go st- stats. Go ahead. Okay. He got to the Final Four 12 times.
0: Mm. he yes. got to the final four he got 62 he got and in, 74 he
1: got in 12 final fours the mm-hmm. one he lost on the buzzer beater cincinnati nc state he NC lost state. In, in double overtime yep but he lost how do you get to 12 final fours and win 10 of 12
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable. You're the so best prepared team in terms of things. Relaxed. Relaxed. You think? Yeah.
1: And and statistically, there's not anybody even close. Mm-mm. I mean, forget about the 10. Great, greatest coaches and great, great coaches, you know, 12 Final Four, 15 Final Four, mm-hmm. but who goes there at 12 and wins 10? And wins 10. There's some, something – And, of course, here's the deal. Coach had this great quote. I I love this. He told Roy Williams. I I wrote this. I wrote a great four-piece part on Roy Williams. What a great guy he is. Uh, Roy Williams said the coach wouldn't told him that. Roy, nobody can coach no talent, but not everybody can coach talent. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, because those that don't have just like to go too well. Yeah. He had always had the best players and mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you got to have great talent. Of course. In a conversation. But to get 10 and 12, I don't know how that's, that happened.
0: That's nuts. Do you know uh, that 88-game winning streak? Um, we know Notre Dame ended it. Do you know where it started? I think it started at Notre Dame. Mm-mm. Locally, UC Santa Barbara. Just giving a shout-out to the Gauchos. All right. What was his record? What was his record? Oh, I got at- one for you. Of course, yeah. I don't think
1: that was it. What's that? What's a game that John Wooden didn't coach? Ooh. Against who? Ooh.
0: You mean during his There was his one ten- game he had dur- a heart problem. During he his tenure. Hospital, he didn't coach the game. He didn't coach against Long Beach State. Santa Barbara? Is that right? Wow. Oh, that was it? Do you think this was the one? I have no idea. Wow. I'd be guessing. That'd be something. To think it started and ended. Okay. I don't know. I'd be guessing. Do you know what his record at Poly Pavilion was? This is, this no. is Now this is a stat. No. 149-2.
1: Yeah, but can I tell you what?
0: That's crazy. Can I tell you what? Notre Dame's got one of those victories. Who's got the other?
1: I'll, I'll clean the story up a little bit. <laughs> but there was some streaks yeah, going on. Yeah. Even when I was there. I remember sitting on the bench with Larry Farmer, and we had beaten Cal fifty-one times, fifty over fifty times in a row. <laughs> All right, Home away. away. You can't imagine, like you just 50 oh, times You're in a row. always beating somebody. Yeah. Right. And I remember they took the game in overtime, and you know Farmer kind of learned. Got ready, and he's like, Yeah, we can't goof this one up. <laughs> but there was these crazy long.
0: Streaks that are just Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, it's
1: insane. You know, I forget how many times we beat it, but it was it was a carryover. But we, you know what, we had great. It was kind of a we had great players. I mean, if you go back, oh sure. If you if you go and you go to our teams and you count after Coach Wooden, right after, and you count the number of NBA guys that were on each team, mm-hmm. it was
0: insane. It was insane. It's unbelievable what they did. Amazing. So he wrote several books, of course, but one book that is probably nearest and dearest to me because I read it to my children. What was his children's book? Oh, Inch and Miles. Inches and Miles, yeah. Isn't that great? Inch and Miles. Isn't that a great book? Yeah, I'll tell you what's a sleeper. I loved reading that.
1: I, I'll tell you. Well, two sleeper things. That's a great book. I had a dad one time tell me that he sat down with the blue book and read one page to his son every Sunday after church. I thought that was pretty
0: cool. Oh, that's really
1: cool. Uh, another book that's a great wooden book. Uh, I I've never was crazy about the title, but the book is insanely fantastic. It's called A Game Plan for Life, uh-huh. The Value of Mentoring, but by Don Yeager, who did an unbelievable job. The reason this book is so great. Which one? A Game uh, Plan for Life. Okay. So the, the chapters are, I, so let's say it's seven and seven. Uh-huh. Okay, John Wooden talks about seven people who were his mentors, mm. and then seven people who he mentored talk about him. But go back to the beginning about John Wooden never said anything good about himself. Getting this guy to tell you something about himself is like, <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? But in this book, when John Wooden is telling Don Yeager about his seven mentors, mm-hmm. he opens the door. Mm. Here's what I learned from Mother Teresa. Yeah. Here's what I learned from Abraham Lincoln. Here's what I learned from Piggy Lambert. So if you really want to get into Coach Wooden, really in his own words, mm-hmm. talking about I, – I just passed this card out the other night. I, I, my, my guys, uh, my little team, I have a little wooden quote. I got this idea from Roy Williams. I have it on a business card. In every practice, I give them all a business card – with the wooden quote in the parents. Yeah. And the players read it out loud, and then they have to say how it applies to basketball and how it plays away from basketball. The cool thing is they have a card. Not that we talk about a quote. Yeah. Because they take the card home. Sure. And they keep the card. And the parents keep the cards. Yeah. And they got these cards. But anyway, I was thinking about this book, mm-hmm. right? And... uh the idea of the Abraham Lincoln idea, the, the famous story that Coach loved to tell about Abraham Lincoln after the war, when they were making reparations to the South, and Henry Clay really got on Abraham Lincoln's case and said, "You know, you're giving too much money to the South. They're our enemy. We should be you destroy your enemy. You don't help your enemy." Mm-hmm. And Abraham Lincoln famously said, "If I make a friend out of an enemy, have I not destroyed the enemy?" That's right. And so that was the quote. Mm. That week, now that came out in that book From with hmm right? And I told the kids and the parents, "That's a pretty heavy duty thought. Love your enemy." That's something else. I mean, they're like that's something else. That's that's not grade school. That's big time thinking. You're um, that's John Wooden
0: thinking. You're uh,
1: and my son, yeah. my son, my younger guy, has really taken that to heart. If somebody gets an argument with them, the first thing in his mind is that he's going to make a friend out of this person. That's friend, that, <laughs> yeah. that, he's not even thinking about the guy yelling at him. He's not thinking about the guy being mad at him. He's literally the switch that goes on is this John Wooden switch. I'm going to make a friend out of
0: this guy. You've took this information and made it your own, in a way, with your own spin on it, and, and improved the lives of so many people. Yeah. I, I, you've got to be so proud of the work you've done. Well, it's fun. I'm having all the fun. It's unbelievable. And uh, at some most point. The most fun you can do is help somebody out. And, and, and at some point, I do have to let my staff go. Really?
1: <laughs> so oh, I got to cl- tell
0: you something, though. This is, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on because this last is unbelievable. John, I got to give you the last so, John Wooden story. Go for it. Yes, please do. Last John Wynn story. A Wa- walk-off.
1: Walk-off. This, this <laughs> is the John Wood. What can you learn from John Wood? Folks at home. <laughs> the most fun you can have is helping other people. That's right. That's so you right. may think you're doing something good by helping other people. You're actually having the most fun
0: you could possibly that have. you
1: could possibly This is what John Wooden
0: mm-hmm.
1: figured out. So like Saturday mornings, you might think you have to get up and go play golf <laughs> to have fun. John Wooden thought on Saturday morning if he got up, And he could go find some people to help. Yeah. Uh He could have some fun. Tony Robbins interviewed him and said, Coach Wooden, I have a lot of famous people that are rich and famous, but they're not very happy. What would your advice be to them? Coach said, go find somebody to help. Mm -hmm. And the only story that we can stop with, John Wooden said at the UCLA Medical Center, Mm -hmm. the last week of his life, And he sat up in bed, and the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he was chatting a little bit and having some comments. By Thursday, he wasn't talking at all. He was just sitting there with his eyes shut. And Dudley Rutherford, who was going to preside at his memorial service, came in and said, Coach, uh, of course, Coach had his funeral all planned. His He didn't want a funeral. His memorial service all planned. And he wanted what was read to be short, the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Dudley came in, and Dudley says, Coach, Dudley here. I just want to check and see if you still want the same two things read at your memorial service. And Coach nodded his head. And Dudley says, Coach, so loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God, those are the two things. Coach Wooden nods his head. And Dudley says, Coach, are these two things things you think you've done in your life?
0: Mm.
1: And Coach raises his head slightly and opens his eyes with that beautiful sparkle and says, Working on it.
0: <laughs> oh, man, the best.
1: Wow. And Dudley says, What are you working on right now, coach? And coach said, Loving God.
0: Wow. Wow. It's beautiful. Beautiful. You're the best, Craig. Great to be here. Oh, awesome. That, you, you win the best guest That's ever. That's all I award. got. You win the best guest ever award. <laughs> 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 I want the memorabilia to appreciate myself. That is awesome. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Kick it out, Book!